0: we're back it's time for the 2024 urban nerd con join us in atlanta georgia april 26th to 28th at the Cortland grand hotel special guests include the sci-fi sisters
1: underworld creator kevin grievous from nickelodeon giovanni samuels the science machine michael green from Spaceballs and star trek voyager tim russ and from the fairly odd parents gary l gray
2: What up, y'all? It's Gary Gray. Check it out. I need you to do something for me. Join me April 26th through the 28th at the Courtland Grand Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia for Urban NerdCon. It's going to be lit. Okay. Our heroes, our villains, everyone's con. See y'all there.
1: Visit TheUrbanNerdCon.net to get your buy one, get one free badges before the price increases. Remember, our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. But you're my piece to your heart.
3: Hello, good evening. It's a live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. And uh, it's me, Brian Fulford here. No AD Drew right now. No uh, fill-in co-host right now. So flying a little solo, but coming up a little bit later. uh, Got a good show, hopefully playing for you tonight. As I am excited to have an opportunity to talk To the head men basketball coach at Langston University, Coach Chris Wright, might be, might be the best basketball team in HBCU basketball, regardless of classification, division, conference, level, whatever you want to say. It might just be the Langston Lions. And so we're gonna get a chance to talk to Coach Wright. The Lions won their second SAC. That's the Sooner Athletic Conference title. I think it was last week or earlier in the week when they won it. And then uh, you know, Coach Wright was a national coach of the year last year. <laughs> I I know, I know, Carlos. Very controversial statement. I already Already, exactly. Very controversial statement. Now, I see a couple people already. That's how I want to get things fired up. But I, I said it. I said it, you know. Um I definitely would put Southern University right there at the top. So, you know, since it's me for a little bit by myself, I'm going to do that to kind of hype up the Coach right appearance. Dealing with a little nasal thing. So, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how this will last, how long this will last. With me uh sneezing, or not really sneezing, but just the whole when you're trying to talk with a sinus thing, it doesn't go very well. So, um, and then in the second hour, I think Drew might join us if Drew uh is in a stationary spot, but also I uh, tried to work on a good friend of the program, Kelvin Carter, joining us as well. Um, Yeah, exactly. AD must be driving somewhere in the back roads of Georgia. You you got that right, Blue Jacket for life. That's that's, uh, that's, that's what he does these days during this time of the year. But uh, I'm glad to be back on with you guys. Um, Thanks for hanging out. You know, we try to, I don't know, somehow we're going to try to find a regular time, but I'm kind of liking this every other Sunday thing. I don't know, man. I don't. You know what I need is what we need is a producer. You know I produce a lot of this stuff, uh, along with Drew. But I feel like you know I need someone to help with the levy lift heavy lifting. Uh, so if you ever had an interest in you know being a producer of a show, podcast, whatever, if you got a sports love and a gene. You know, maybe you want to help out with some graphics, story ideas. You know, shoot me a, shoot me a, a tweet or uh, hit me up uh, on uh, the email. Uh, I don't know. Which email do I want to give out? Uh, probably my name at uh, jbn.com. Let me see if we've got the uh, the banner here to run through the show. There we go. Put that up. You can always definitely hit me up uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can always find me there on X, I guess it's now called. Uh, so how's everybody's weekend going? You know, do me a favor. Let me uh, hit me hit me up with a uh, with a, let me know where you're watching the show from where you're at. I see a lot of my a lot of the HBCU family where are you watching the show. Uh, I wonder what Jeremiah Clark wants to talk about, huh? I wonder what you want to talk about, Jeremiah. I just wonder. I just wonder. Uh, I'll start my early praise of Jackson State University, which is rare because Jackson State, and I'm going to talk a bigger picture about things and why the show is titled Stop Being a Hater. But uh, I'm going to give early props to Jackson State women's basketball. They came to play. You know, Florida A&M women, they were hot three three wins in a row, had the hottest player in the SWAC coming to Jackson, Mississippi uh, yesterday. And they showed up for four quarters, uh, which I don't think Jackson State has done a, a whole lot this year in terms of showing up all four quarters. And look, when you're a good team, sometimes – you take quarters off you take moments off uh but they they played very well now famu did not shoot the ball very well uh look at the statistics the free throw shooting the numbers were ridiculous but all that favored jackson state and uh you know jackson state uh women walloped famu 71 to 44 well, the game was won at the free throw line. Statistically, Jackson State didn't awe me. You know, they shot—they shot just as poorly from the three-point line as FAMU did. The field goal percentage in total wasn't that much different, but the—but at the difference was at the free throw line. And so, find ways to win. And yes, Jackson State held FAMU to 44 points. It makes a difference. That's why JSU is unbeaten. That's why they are tier one. And then there's everybody else. Yeah. Just like this past year in football, you saw there was you football, tier one, and then everybody else in the SWAC was kind of tier two. That's how it is in women's basketball. Now, as we saw last year, maybe in the tournament, maybe in the tournament, somebody will catch them, just like what happened last year. You know, because that's where things happen. You know, somebody somebody uh somebody slips a little bit. And that's where things happen. So um so yeah, let me let me get to a few quick mentions. So yeah, Jeremiah, I wanted to give you that few props there early on. Lawrence, thank you for coming in. Shout out to and congratulations to Florida A and M women's and Texas Southern men for winning the SWAC indoor title. Uh, I think Texas Southern men pretty much won it yesterday on day one. I think, given the total of points. I mean, they they just separated themselves on day one. They uh for the for the women, though, very dramatic. I mean, I enjoyed watching, I've been watching pretty much the last three hours on the SWAC Digital Network. Shout out to the SWAC SWAC Digital Network. I, they, they, get, they get beat up on by HBCU Twitter for their broadcast or lack of broadcast and all that kind of stuff. But man, I, I really enjoyed the track, indoor track and field championship coverage. Good friend of the show and the network, Mo Carter, did a great job. I Unfortunately, I don't know the coach that was doing the broadcast with him but uh great commentary throughout uh so congratulations um so great uh great commentary there and really enjoyed that uh Oh, okay. Jeremiah said okay. I see. I was I was already on pins and I couldn't tell by the little e, e uh, emoticon or the little icon. I just saw a ball. I didn't know that was a baseball. That was actually a uh well, I didn't I thought it was a basketball, so I didn't know that was a baseball. So yeah, maybe I'm already a little defensive, but uh I don't know. It's just how I'm feeling right now. Uh let me go down here. So again, uh, congratulations to him. And by the way, the the uh the women, Florida a and and Alabama State, it came down to some great performances. A uh, young lady from FAMU, uh, Brianna. Uh, let, me, let me make sure I get her name right because I know I tweeted it about a dozen times, so the fact that I don't... The fact that I would even miss a little bit on her name might be a little bit embarrassing here. Um... Brianna Brown Marshall, women's high jump. Uh, she cleared six feet. <laughs> what was really amazing was watching her, watching her on the run up to six feet, and how easily she was clearing the pole, um, or the bar, rather on the, on the run up to that six foot mark. And so, uh, she actually, by the time she finished, uh, her third attempt at six feet, I think it, what was, what after six feet, six feet and maybe, uh, six feet and an inch or so. But by the time she finished that, um, (laughs) <laughs> By the time she finished that last that last hurdle or that last jump, I think it was the back of her calf had just skimmed the bar. And so she ended up not clearing that last mark, but she had already set a swack record at six feet, um, finished as uh, top 25, actually 21st, if I recall what Mo said. So she's 21st in the nation at this point. So definitely qualifying for the NCAAs, I believe. Um, And so, you know, watch out. She was a former national junior college champion. A good friend, Marcus Green, had pointed out via Twitter. So, yeah, wanted to... uh, uh, wanted to shout that out. SIC, one more week of regular season play coming up this week for the SIC and the CIAA. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, a week from Monday starts the CIAA tournament, and then uh, I think the following weekend or the following week you get the SIC tournament in Savannah. Uh, so that'll be that'll be good. Uh, some interesting games last night. Yesterday afternoon, hopefully you caught the broadcast between Clark Atlanta and Morehouse for the Battle of AUC uh, right here on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, Sly and uh, Simone did a great job covering that. <laughs> really enjoyed the, the chaos that it sounded like was going on there in Forbes or, I think it was a Forbes Arena, Forming Arena, Forbes Arena. Uh, the chaos that was going on in that stadium, though, it sounded like there was a lot going on. Uh, so they did a good job of really setting the scene, uh, and, and especially during in-between play. I think there was just as much action in between the play on the court as there was during the game. Carlos Brown checking in. Carlos Brown show. Heard yesterday afternoon right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yeah, Carlos, the Southern Jaguars with their new head coach after they let go uh, one of my high school uh, fellow, I can't call him a classmate, but Coach Sean Woods and I went to the same high school in Indianapolis. So very fond of Sean Woods. but yeah more how uh southern cut him let him go and then brought in a new coach and and they're winning so uh they i think they're 10 and 2 now in conference play of course southern with two of the biggest upsets in the non-conference um and so they're doing they they're playing really well right now and uh interesting discussion that Drew and I will have a little bit later if there was an HBCU national tournament, national invitational, just an eight-team national invitational. Let's just say Division One. Would Southern be the top seed? Or would Norfolk State be the top seed? I think those are your top two teams in Division One. Who would you give the number one seed to in an eight-team field? Let me do a few other shout-outs as I see some folks coming in. Uh, Of course, Karen Griffin, looking forward to that Langston interview with Coach Chris Wright coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Mary 305, good to see you. Happy birthday, Mary. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. I'm not going to do too much singing here, Mary. My voice if I had a little better voice going on, I, I'd sing to you. But I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But happy birthday to you. Hope you're having a blessed day and a blessed weekend.
1: Uh, good to see you, A&T Roy, checking in.
3: Edwin Moore checking in. I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there, Edwin, surviving. Voice is a little raspy got all kinds of things cough sniffles but I'm but I'm powering through powering through uh tamara T checking in exactly appreciate you guys showing uh Mary 305 some birthday love in there appreciate you guys meet your offer check it in as well definitely giving the birthday shout outs. Uh let's see. Anybody else in here? Uh Lawrence um Yeah, you know Lawrence uh, Mo does I uh, let me see. Mo has called football games as well. But you know with his primary role as a sports director in Huntsville, Alabama, uh I think WZDX is the station. He doesn't always get a chance to get away on Saturdays. Because obviously, in Alabama, football Saturdays are huge. So he usually has to be at a site or at a game. So that's the only thing that prevents him. It's usually easier for him to call basketball games during the week which he has done for us uh, over at miles or as he did this uh today on a Sunday over in uh, Birmingham uh cover the indoor track and field so that's probably the only reason why you don't see mo but Moe's really good Mo does a great job uh all right so there's drew so Drew's checked in he's not He's not on some back road somewhere. He is alive. And he will check in a little bit later. Um, I won't disagree. Lawrence, Mo, Mo is good. Mo is good. Mo is definitely that guy. All right. Um, let me see. What else is out here in the chats? Um, a quick check-in. Lawrence says. Norfolk State would be the one seed. It's close. And there are a couple, you know, what's interesting about this debate is, as you've seen with the committees, uh, recently Dr. Charles McClellan was uh, announcing the NCAA's top 16 seeds in Division One over the past weekend, he, of course, is the head of the basketball committee. And so I found what's interesting is the metrics that are used. Um, And I think when we get into the discussion a little bit later, it's not all just about wins and losses because not all wins are the same. There's a lot of HBCU teams that have wins against teams that are outside of their their level. And so that sort of gets counted against you. Um and there is something to beating a team ranked or rated higher than you. So I also think where you beat a team matters uh, for HBCUs. Drew, and this is a Drew thing. I won't. I won't take credit for this. Drew has. Drew sees more value for HBCU schools winning conference games, and I get it because we understand why most of our HBCUs play tough non-conference schedules. Um, I mean, you can go down the, the list, and you guys know what happens with teams when they're playing paycheck games. I mean, how many of those games do you expect to win? Now, it's great when you see a team like Southern win two of them. But... That's that's rare, and this has been one of those rare years where we have seen that. So we'll talk about that and um, kind of see what that evaluation metric is and what they are, and there are various ones out there. And I think whenever you have a committee, you know, a committee or a group of people, you're going to use different metrics because at the end of the day, you're trying to put the best eight teams. Now, if we can all sit here and say, give me your top five teams, I think we're all going to come up with the same top five teams, especially in Division One. When you start getting into the six through eight, nine, that's where the discussions usually happen. But at the end of the day, when we have those discussions – Are those teams that actually have a legitimate shot at winning the title? And look, maybe you want to give everybody a fair chance. I get it. You know, maybe you want to give everybody a fair chance. So, just something to talk about. Something we'll get into. Um, We'll do that. Um, Let me see yeah, and when I agree, the, the schedules, the schedules are what they are. I, you know, I always say I'd love to do a, a a breakdown and a better analysis of other mid-major conferences and see to what level they're scheduling power fives. But then again, you know, the mid-major programs, let's say out of the Ohio Valley, for example. Do they need the resources that say Texas Southern, Florida AM, Alcorn State, Grambling State? Do they need the same level of resources for their basketball program, you know, that those schools do? And so that's always the big argument. That's always the big debate. Um and it's not a the challenge with answering it is multi-layered. Because it's not just a basketball thing. It really is an athletic department question uh, and debate and challenge. Because fundamentally and structurally, how you do things, how you market your program and your teams has to change. All right, let's do this. I'm going to take a break so I can blow my nose and kind of get prepared for my interview with Coach Chris Wright coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Hang in there. And uh, I look forward to talking to uh, Coach Wright about his Langston Lions and why they might be the best basketball program team in HBCU basketball. Hang out. We'll come back on the other side. You're watching the BCS Sports Wrap. I'm Brian flying a little solo, but Drew will be on a little bit later. I'll be back in just a moment.
2: It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride
1: in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride Enjoy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit
2: HBCUpridejoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU
1: Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter.
3: This is Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap. YouTube, at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Networks app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show.
2: I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community... It's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the Law Office of Clinton-Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt.
1: Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media,
3: facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com
2: forward slash empowerment.jax. Let's face it, shopping for insurance can be time-consuming. That's why when it comes to your auto, home, and life insurance needs, make things simple and trust the experts at Allstate. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your life, home, and auto policies. Bundling saves you money, sure, but it also saves you time, so you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact me, Tammy Haynes, your local agent, for a free personalized insurance quote. Allstate, are
0: you in good hands?
3: From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Um, feeling the, feeling a little bit better. Those breaks definitely needed. Get a chance to clean the clean the pipes out here. Um, excited to get ready to bring on my next guest. He's the head coach. All right, excuse me. Let me get it right. I, the titles. I have to make sure I get it straight. National Coach of the Year of the Langston University Lions, who not only are the number two ranked team in the NAIA, but they are also the two-time Sooner Athletic Conference champions. Joining the show right now, I'd like to say a good friend of the program, Coach Chris Wright. Coach Wright, how you doing, sir? Coach?
0: Hey, Brian, I'm great, sir. Appreciate you having me tonight.
3: Hey, uh, it's a pleasure to have you, Coach, and and this is uh, – I'm, i feel like this is becoming a an annual tradition and uh i i i, I was like hey let's get that time uh, getting ready getting ready to get coach on and you know we always love having you on before the tournament the end of the uh NAIA tournament and then sometime during it um so how are you doing first off how how are how's this this
0: amazing season uh how are you doing personally and professionally <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Hey, the thing about basketball season, obviously it stretches over uh, two semesters. And uh, so, you know, as far as our team goes, we're doing great. It obviously turns into a uh, a grind once you uh, get to this part of the season. But hey, no complaints here. And, uh, you know, first off,
3: congratulations on winning the uh, Sooner Athletic Conference. Um, obviously, that would seem to me like the first goal. Talk a little bit about your team's goals coming into this season. Obviously, you had a great season in your first year at Langston, but talk a little bit about the goals
0: that were set in the offseason or for this team in this year. So, you know, for us, you know, coming into the season, there's kind of three main things, I think, that three main goals that we wanted to achieve, right? And so first being to win a conference championship, which I think over the uh, the long haul of a regular season, if you win your conference, right, like you're you've kind of proven yourself to be the best team, you know, over that, whatever it is, whether it's 20 games, 22 games, 24 games. Um, so that was part one. Um, you know, secondly, we'd love to go win a, uh, a conference tournament again, which is really, really hard to do. And then, of course, right, the the, the big goal to, to cut down the nets the last uh, Tuesday of uh, March 26th for the NAIA
3: okay so we I, I love that that you got the date we, we know the date and, and everything I <laughs> I love that I, you got you gotta have that uh penciled in <clears throat> um so I mean obviously like you know for anybody who hasn't been paying attention uh last year was I I think one of the one of the greatest turnarounds that were done that was done um what was that what was the offseason like for you? What when, when, when it when it's finally said and done, talk a little bit about did you hear from any coaches or any mentors or maybe what's a call or a text that you got or an email that really really surprised you or you were like, Oh, I didn't know they were paying attention to us like that.
0: You know, to to, to be really uh transparent, right? Um, you know, when we came to Langston. Right. They had won one game in two years. And so uh, my assistant coach, John Warren, that came with me from Talladega right after we had lost in the national championship game. We're here day one. Right. Watching open gym. And I look at coach and I said, oh, my goodness, what have we done? Right. Like we just played for a national championship and I'm watching one of the worst open gyms I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, oh, coach. right. Like, what have we done? And then, you know, obviously we had we were fortunate enough and blessed enough to have a historic season and we lose in the sweet 16 to right probably the the premier program in the NAI of Georgetown College. And it was a hard few months, you know, um you know, like I like looking back, I think you know, I was really really depressed about that, right? That we had played for a national championship the year before and although, you know, we go 31 and 3, we fall short in the sweet 16 and you know, it's, it's taken me a long time to, uh, right. To get over that. And so, um, you know, I, I'm really appreciative of all the friends that I've developed over, right. 21 years of coaching college basketball that, um, I guess kind of sympathize with me a little bit, you know, and then my mentor, right. It got Jim Sia that, um, you know, I owe a great deal of, uh, of credit to just for any success that I've had in my career. He called me and was like, coach, you know, you went 31 and three and I get losing's tough. He's like, but man, like, you know, you're going to have to get over it, right? Losing it's part of college basketball. You're not going to win it all every year, and so I think that's the best kind of piece of advice that I got. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh,
3: only what do you say? Only one, only one team is really going to truly be happy at the end of it all, you know. Uh, and but you, but but like you said, there were there are a lot of positives that you take away. Um, something that you just said there about, you know, you you mentioned losing to that. You know, that program that you lost to at the at the end of uh, last season uh, at Georgetown College. What? And, and I, f- I felt like you had built the, the kind of program uh, at your previous school that got you to the national championship game. What are some of those characteristics or what are the things that you're bringing or that you brought to Langston or what does it take to be a consistent year after year? competitor at the national level the sweet 16 the final four the championship game that separates programs what what is it what what have you found it to be and 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 where are you in that process at langston
0: i think there's two things right so i think number one is obviously it comes down to players um you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have talent, if you don't have good players, you have no chance. And so when it comes to recruiting, um, I would like to think that we work as hard or harder than anyone. um, And we'll do, you know, whatever it takes within the rules to get the players that we need to get. We'll fly anywhere. We'll go see anyone. I'll spend my own money. Right. Like at the end of the day, whatever it takes for us to get players that are good enough to win a national championship. Um, And then secondly, I think it, it, you know, like culture is kind of a buzzword, I think in, uh, right in today's society and also in college basketball. But really at the end of the day, if you have, there's a lot of people that have really good players that don't win at a high level. And so for us, like our culture is very sacred. Like it is, uh, you know, our guys know that if you do something that's going to hurt our culture or ruin it, like you're going to pay a price. And so again, starts with a talent, but then B, I think having to set of standards and holding people um, accountable for those things. I get it. I get it. Um, that's the uh, the.
3: It, it seems like the, the the winning formula doesn't seem hard, but it's hard to achieve. Am I am I saying that right? Because I, I mean, if I, I I hear what you just said, and it, it it doesn't sound hard, but it but it's hard to achieve. And and there are a lot of people that uh, I don't know whether it be shortcuts or maybe missing little details uh, that trip up programs and trip up teams. So uh, I find that fascinating. You you didn't overcomplicate it. You know, I I thought you were going to give me like four different tenants or, you know, four different things, but,
0: (laughs) but it's a pretty simple, pretty simple process. Yeah, no, Um, I, I think it is right. Like, um, you know, as coaches, I know I tend to do this, right. We tend to overcomplicate things. Um, and, and again, I, th- I think it's, it's it's pretty simple, right? It's it's getting, um, right, a high level of talent, and just getting a group of players and coaches to work together for for one common goal. And it is; it's a lot easier said than than done. Um, talk a little bit about this this
3: roster, um, but because you know, as I was as I was looking, obviously, you did a complete turnaround from two years. Well, I don't know it's been two years, but yeah, two years ago to last year's team. And then what was the turnover process for you? I mean, how many guys did you have to replace going into
0: to this particular season? So year one for us, we only brought one guy back from the previous season. OK. Uh, and so, you know, we knew it would be kind of a uh, and I don't like to use the word rebuild, right? But I mean, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a whole new roster, it's going to be a process. And so um, from last season, we lost uh, three seniors that graduated and, you know, had had one uh, another guy that we did not uh, bring back. And so even last year, um, you know, before we lost in the national tournament, I knew we, you know, thought we had a good chance to go deep, but I kind of knew that this, this was really the, the, the team that, you know, just because we would have so many returners back and so many, um guys that understood what we were about and what was important to us to really have a chance to to win the whole thing yeah um how does
3: and for people who may not be familiar we always hear about uh things like the transfer portal and name image and likeness and NIL things that affect division 1 but um, what what is that what is that like at the NAIA level for for your program and your at your level? How 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 do you deal with those kind of challenges that other programs have?
0: You know, I you know I think the beauty of coaching, right, is I think there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? There's a lot of different ways that you can win, right? But there's also a lot of different ways that you can lose and not be successful. And so for us, we've always wherever I've been, we've been pretty transfer heavy. Um, you know, we, we've always typically tried to get older guys, tried to lean more. Um, we've been more of, I guess, a transfer friendly program. Um, And so I joke with a lot of my friends in Division One that, you know, like that now they're starting to kind of be like almost like an NAI. Like if you look traditionally at a lot of the really, really good NAI programs, again, I think they've been very transfer heavy. And so. Um, for us, you know, and for me personally, I don't feel like it's, it's, it's right. It's been a huge adjustment. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, while there are challenges in, in, in college basketball at all different levels, you know, I don't feel like at the NAI level particularly, there's been that much of a change, if that makes sense at all. Yeah.
3: No, no, no. I, I, I get you. I get you.
0: Um, all right. So
3: being number two. Being number two in the nation, I, I know, you know, I, I know you're going to tell me to coach speak that we don't really look at those kind of things. Uh, we're 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 focused on what's in front of us. Uh, let me see what other cliches, coach speak. Can I throw <laughs> out? No, but I mean, <laughs> no, but I, I I guess for for the people watching, what does being ranked and regarded as number two? Because it is a it's a poll. It's not a based on a ranking or rating. Obviously, your wins and losses matter, but being thought of highly thought of enough to be number two in the nation. What, what does that do for the program? How does that help the program?
0: You know, I think, you know, even in the preseason, if you look where we started, right? Like I think anytime you're, you're ranked highly, it is a, uh, man, it's a huge honor. Just because those things, you know, over time are not given, they're really earned. And at the end of the day, right? Like rankings are great. They mean a lot, but um you know, you still got to play the game. And so, you know, I think we're very grateful to be highly enough regarded that we would, you know, be ranked number two in the country right now. And um, But at the end of the day, you you could go into the national tournament ranked number one and never have lost. And, you know, if you don't go win those six games, your number one ranking doesn't mean a whole lot. And so for us, it's a lot more, I think, about the process than it is um, about the results this time of year. And don't get me wrong, right? Like I I'm very pleased that we are um, 25 and one right now, but you know, at the beginning of the season, that was never our goal. You know, I, I would, I would love to be undefeated, but we want to be playing our best basketball come March and do everything in our power to give us a chance to legitimately win a national championship, you know, when, when it really matters. And again, I think you have to be really good, but you also have to have a little luck. You know, there's a lot of Hall of Fame coaches, a lot of great players that never sniff a national championship, and yeah. so you're really good, but you got to get a few bounces along the way. And so, hopefully, we've done things right, um, starting in August all the way up until now, that you know we can be the uh, recipient of a few of those bounces when it comes time for that. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, you said if not, if nothing else. Hopefully, get
3: you uh, uh, some 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 games closer to home. Or, or if not, if not hosting some games uh, when you get into the postseason, because all that stuff kind of matters. Um, let me talk about some of these uh, young men or, or have you kind of speak on a few guys. I know, you know, as I'm just kind of going through the Sooner Athletic Conference basketball leaders, um, Anthony Roy, six uh, 6'5", junior guard from out of Oakland, California. Uh, uh, one of the top scorers in the league, averaging 18.4 game. Uh, start with him, kind of talk about uh, Anthony and just what he brings to the table. And and then, you know, maybe a few other guys that uh, are really solid contributors night
0: in and night out for you. So, man, Ant is a uh, – man, he is extremely talented. Obviously, you mentioned his numbers. I think in conference play, he's shooting 53% from the field, 49% from three. I mean, he's six five. He's super athletic. You know, I mean, he has NBA range from three. I mean, he is a – he's a power five talent. And, uh, you know, when we thought we had a chance to get, um, you know, Ant in our program, you know, him and I had a long talk just about some of his past when he didn't necessarily make good decisions. And, um, yeah, I'm really proud of him, how he's grown as a person. I think he's a really good person. He has a really good heart. Um, and, you know, I've had seven or eight power five schools – um, you know he has a year of eligibility left. hit me about him. And so you know after this season's over, we're gonna do everything we can to help him go back and play at the highest level that he can play at. Um, but he he's he's been phenomenal, you know, if you again, if you look at his stats, um but forget basketball. I'm just more um proud of him as what he's done as a person and how he's grown. um but he's he's as talented of a player as there is in small college basketball. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, when you look at a couple of our returners, Teru Dean, our starting point guard from a season ago, um, I think, you know, again, if you, I think he averages about 10 points a game for us. Um, nothing that just pops off the uh, the stat sheet, but he's one of the best defenders in the country. I've never had, coached a better point guard in 21 years of college basketball. Uh, the guy's just a winner. He's unselfish. He's really, really good on both ends of the floor. Um, and I don't think he gets you know the kind of the credit that he deserves just because we're so balanced scoring wise and because he's so unselfish but there's there's not a better point guard in the country than him and I you know I can say that very confidently and then when you look at a guy like uh Cortez Mosley was the defensive player of the year in our league last year came back was clearly in my opinion our best player in the preseason suffered a very significant uh hamstring injury and was out for six weeks and it really set him uh you know kind of put him behind the eight ball, I guess, if you will, and to have him back healthy now and to see what he's doing, um, you know, just th- shows up in the stat sheet, but all the intangibles that he brings to us, you know, Cor- Taru and Cortez, they're both, I mean, it should be all Americans. Um, I don't know if they'll get that credit because of their numbers. And again, how balanced we are, but both those kids, they're pros, they're winners. Um, I think they both overcome a lot of personal challenges um, just throughout their life and to see that they're both going to graduate in May um, and have a chance to go on and, and play after this, I think is is phenomenal. And so I'm very honored and very pleased, um, you, know, I, I, you know, to be their head coach. I get really, um, you know, emotional talking about those two guys just because, um, you know, along their journey, I think it would have been very easy for both of them to quit Um, to stop playing basketball to stop uh, pursuing their education and to see them, um, you know, have the success they have, I think is a testament to, you know, their character and their grit. And I couldn't be more proud of them. This, um,
3: what's the right way? I want to say this right. This, 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 uh, this basketball journey that you're on, Coach, this is more than just coaching X's and O's. I, I I can hear it in the way that you talk about these young men. And like I said, I, I've heard you for a few years in our conversations and the way you talk about these young men. It, it's always bigger than just the X's and O's uh, uh, and just the impact and the opportunities. I mean, you just... You just said something that was really powerful about helping a young man who's performing great for you, helping him potentially get back to a higher level. I mean, you don't, that's, that's, that's so rare to hear. Where where does, where does that come from for you in in terms of being bigger than basketball,
0: this this thing being bigger than basketball, where does that come from? No, Brian, I have, um, you know, I hope anyone that I come in contact with, you know, I, I there's a lot of bad things people can say about me. I think you can say about anyone. Right. Sure, um, yeah. But but like I hope if there's one thing people can say about me is that I'm real and I, I care about other people. And, you know, I think like Dr. Martin Luther King, right. He has a great quote, probably my favorite quote I've ever heard. He says, you know, a life not lived for other people is a life not lived. And, you know, I really believe that God. um right? Put this dream in my heart to be a college basketball coach when I was 14 years old to help other people. And um, to be able to do it at an HBCU, um, you know, I was a first-generation college student, right? Like, um, you know, I, I think growing up, I necessarily didn't have the the easiest upbringing, but for God to put that into my heart and just to have an opportunity to help other people that I, you know, really connect with and um, has been, you know it's been a, it's been a huge blessing, and so I love basketball. It's what I'm passionate about. I love winning. If I'm going to do something, I want to be excellent at it. But man, at the end of the day, right? Like who? It's it's basketball. It's a, it's a damn game, man. We're putting a right a round ball in in a rim, like like when you think of the scope of like people's lives, right? And how their life can interpa- you know, impact future generations. Like you know, the passion that I hope I have, that I hope. Um, the love that I have for these guys—it it goes far beyond, right? Winning and and and, and, and losing a, a basketball game, and sometimes I think, like, you know, I, again, I love being in an HBCU. I'm very passionate about it. Like, you know, this is my fifth year in a row. I've, I've been able to to have that opportunity. But you know, to be real, sometimes sometimes people look at it and they're like, "Man, there's this white guy. He's crazy. He's on the sideline. He's he's cussing at guys." And and all they see is a snapshot of. Right. The passion right. I have in the game of basketball, but they don't see, man, that the the hours and hours of love that we have for our guys, the, the relationships that we build and the fact that at the end of the day, um, again, like what we do as a basketball team, it means very, very little compared to the lives these guys, um, you know, going to live. And so, you know, if there's one thing I'm confident about, it's that, man, I absolutely love, you know, the the 18 guys that I get to coach. You know, and I, I, you know, I pray every day. That's my prayer, right, is that they end up just being better men, better husbands, better dads from being in our program. Um, because if you win a national championship and you don't do that, I feel like you really failed as a coach.
3: Coach, you you, you got me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't expect, you know, we've had a lot of conversations, Coach. I wasn't expecting uh, that I'm telling you, there's a, there's a reason folks, while I keep trying to tell people coach, Chris, Wright Is, uh, he's doing something right. Um, and, uh, Langston is uh very blessed and fortunate to have him, uh, leading the program and you got good people over there at, uh, Langston. I know, uh, coach Rod and the ladies are having a good season this year. So I'm excited about that for him. Um, but just overall, you know, um, this, uh, I don't know where to go, coach. I, I, I'm just excited for you. I'm, I am i have, a, you know, I'm going to save some questions because I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a deeper story and hopefully, hopefully I will get a chance to actually talk to you about it later. Um, but uh, I, I just want to give you an opportunity to just kind of, to have the last word. Kind of talk about uh, Langston. How can people support your program,
0: and, uh, and and just give you the last word right now? Man, I, you know, I I'm extremely grateful. Right uh, to to be at Langston. I take a lot of pride in uh, in being here. You know, we're the only HBCU in the state of Oklahoma. Right. And, you know, that means so much. Um, I think to so many people. And when you look at just the history of the university and what it means, it's, it's really special to be a part of, you know, the president that hired me, Dr. Kent Smith, um, you know, literally one of my mentors, um, you know, he's over time, him and I became very, very close, you know, he, he he retired and um, you know, he actually owns a Chick-fil-A right now up in Omaha. And, but I, I can't thank him enough for investing in this program and for bringing me here. And, you know, Brian, at the end of the day, right. I think, you know, it's wherever you're at, it's, it's, it's all, it's all about the people. Right. And, um, you know, my wife and I, man, we, uh, you know, she's the daughter of a college basketball coach. Um, you know, we really do this thing together and to see the support that we've gotten and to see again, like, you know, the historic turnaround that we've had on the court, but to see the, I think the countless lives that have been able to be changed through our program, including my, my life and my wife's life, um, you know, it's, it, it's amazing. You know, we, we have a two-year-old son. Yeah. Um, it's cr- um, crazy. Um, you know, my dad was terminally sick and my son was born um, a month early, actually on my dad's um, last birthday. And, you know, that, that was during our last season at Talladega. Right. And so you come here and, you know, it's kind of almost starting over getting to know a lot of people. Um, you know, again, I had a super supportive president unbelievable ad um and to you know just to be able to to do life with a lot of people here i think is really special you know we learned um you know the the start of the new year um you know our, our son was diagnosed with with autism and you know i think it really um and it, it, it puts all of this into perspective right again like we've talked about it and, you know, I'm sorry for getting emotional. I just oh, know life's life so much more, man, than 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 basketball. And we love it. You love it. Um, it's what we're passionate about. But I think that's really what God's taught me through our journey, um, going from Talladega to here. And I couldn't be more thankful for the life that we have and for the I guess the, the platform we have to to share about HBCUs and to, to share about just right the value of. Higher education in 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 people's lives, and so I appreciate you having me on, and man, thank you for all you do for HBCUs across the country. We really appreciate it,
3: Coach. So you you want you one of my favorite people, Coach. So I mean, any any time or any anything that we can do to uh, to help promote uh, Langston, uh, you uh, any any causes or anything that you, that you're champion or or, or, or behind. Uh, all you, you know, you, all you have to do is call. You have to call us, and, and we're we're there to support and help. So, um, thank you for your time this evening. Thank you for your honesty and, and your candor. Uh, I, I find out something new every time I get a chance to talk to you. So. Uh, i wish i was closer i wish i lived closer so i could i could be there to shake your hand and talk to you more and give you a hug and 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 and, and uh and, and pique your brain uh but, but coach thank you for your time this evening uh continued health and success uh to the team going into the uh the final stretch of the season into the conference tournament and uh i'm sure we'll get a chance to talk again before you guys make it too far down the road in the national tournament
0: okay Yes, sir. Hey, it's always great talking to you. I really appreciate you.
3: Yes, yes. And AD, even
0: though he's not here, he
3: says hello. So I, I know he does. So all right, coach. Hey, have a great night, sir. Thank you. All right. Take care, coach. Coach Chris Wright, ladies and gentlemen. That one of one of the one of the top coaches in HBCU in NAIA, in college basketball and he might have might have the best hbcu basketball program naia d2 division one i said it i would love to see an ultimate matchup where i had langston uh give me give me a give me a dream final eight How, how about this folks you tell me if this works A final eight men's tournament that looked like this. Give me Langston. Give me Winston-Salem State. Give me Benedict, Clark, Southern, Norfolk State, North Carolina Central. I don't know. Maybe Tennessee State. I don't know. What would that tournament look like? What would that invitational look like? That'd be awesome. Absolutely awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Coach Wright. Uh, Langston is traveling this week, Thursday. They are taking on Texas Wesleyan. That's in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, Thursday, 7.45 p.m. Um, Then on Saturday, they're traveling to Chickasha, Chickasha. Chickasha, Oklahoma, the TikTok on University of Science and Arts. That's the final regular season game. So um, then they have the SAC tournament next week. And then of course the national tournament. So <coughs> Langston's got a good one. Langston's got a good one. There's a man. All right. When we come back on the other side, I think AD Drew will be ready to join me. AD, get in, AD and I will get into a few conversations. And so hopefully uh, you guys will stick in there with us. We'll be back right on the other side. You're watching the in Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network.
1: If you think all pads are exactly the same, think
2: again. This is Always Ultra Thin's Reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster. Absorbs
3: even
0: more, so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always alter Thins. This is always
1: like never before. The Cuvee Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a Certified Constant Contact Specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level contact us to schedule a free consultation issues today don't delay call cuvee for the
2: latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics. There's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. T. Madden and Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden and Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions
1: for our clients. Call t MadNet Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state-certified teachers trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall.
3: Well, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Trap. Look who it is. It is none other than my co-host, Mr. A.D. Drew, who for some reason have us as the show on in the background. No, he I don't know what he's got <laughs> on in the background. Drew, how you doing That's tonight? our
2: previous show. That's our previous show, man. Previous That's on show. in the background. Yeah. Okay. And remind me never to be late again so that I never have to follow up an interview with Chris Wright like that again
3: bro i i you know we've had coach Wright on a couple times few times and i i i the the passion the passion is what i love but i but i think he you know when you have i, I I'll tell you what i know for a fact and you know this because when we 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 both coach when you have certain players that have a story, and you relate to really watching those kids achieve something, it really gets you every time you talk about them. And I think that's what happened. I, I, I you know, those, and I it was totally unexpected. You know, I and I, I, I just, I, I think. You know, I wasn't going anywhere with the questions, didn't – I
2: just – Well, you know, Brian, you and I have coached long enough. And, uh, you know, every team, there's that one player who you have that has that story that you have that relationship with, every team that you've coached uh, throughout the years. And when you've been in this coaching field, uh, dealing with young men and young women long enough, you sometimes you see things recycle themselves. You know you see a kid that comes along ten years later with a similar story to a kid that you dealt with uh, a decade ago. And sometimes you have a good story to tell that kid who's going through that a similar situation, and sometimes you have a bad story to tell that kid who's going through a similar similar situation. But you uh, but you know it's 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 just it's one of those things about coaching outside of the thrill of competition, the adrenaline rush that you get when you're competing, which is only next to the adrenaline rush that you get when you're playing. That's probably the most enjoyable portion of the the, the coaching field. So, and Edwin, I'm on the road, baby. That's why I don't have that normal backdrop man.
3: <laughs> hey, um, I was just looking here for, for those who aren't familiar and I didn't I didn't get a chance to to talk about the resume. But um the coach right resume over the last now this is two let's see, so I'm gonna go two, three, four, five, six. The last six seasons. And this is the four that he spent at Talladega College, which ended with him leading Talladega to the national championship game of the NAIA, right? And then in probably the... the, I I mean, let's just say what it is, Drew. Probably the biggest shock and surprise of that offseason was that, oh, wait a minute, Coach Wright is leaving. You're like, what? You mean the coach who just led the team to a national championship who had built Talladega up over the last four years where they were 24 and 8, 25 and 7, 25 and 4. I mean, hell Drew, the year before the year before they won the national or went to the national championship game, they were 25 and 4, won the GCAC, got bounced in the second round then they turn around the next year go 15 and 3 in conference finish second in the conference but they go to the runner up they go to the national championship game oh that coach
2: yeah that yeah and put the asterisks on that national championship runner up team they had how many losses five losses Brian that year? Uh, well five losses going into that game so they had they had six losses on on the entire season great at the end yeah at the end yeah And remember Four of them went to the same team. I yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. Four of them two were- times in conference, one time at the conference tournament, and then the national championship game. Yeah, I Four guess. Of the were to one team.
3: Yeah, I guess we should put an asterisk definitely and say, yeah, you lost for you know you were, yeah, you were you were you were in the conference with the toughest team in the nation, you know. So it is what it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh and so then he, like I said, then he goes to Langston, turns around a team that had one win over two seasons. They go thirty-one and three. This year they start out. I think they had something like a nineteen-game winning streak before they lost.
2: Yeah, like nineteen to zero, something like that. Still eighteen to 19 to zero. Yeah. yeah,
3: still number two. Um. So,
2: and I and and I've got to say this before we move off of uh, the Chris Wright subject, and this is uh. You know, HBCUs in general, you know, they say once you go black, you never go back. And in this case, I hope that is so, because we have a talented coach coaching in our HBCU ranks. And I'm not talking about the fact that he's a white coach coaching uh, HBCUs. But the fact that we have a talented coach, let's hope that Langston can keep Coach Wright around because some non-HBCUs are going to come calling this man and offer him probably more than Langston can offer him at some point in time. It may be this year. It may be two years from now. Let's now, hope so that we... we one
3: HBCUs you're going to be calling.
2: But you know, Sasha, I wouldn't be as mad if he went from a Langston to a Division Two. division one hbcu because he's still in the family yeah but i don't want to see a coach with that type of talent go outside of the hbcu family like we like we're starting to see uh and and i'll just say it like we saw our coach willie Sims left the hbcu family to go to a non-hbcu for a for a perceived better opportunity. I hope it does turn into a better opportunity for him. But I hope that we can keep the talents of a Chris Wright around HBCU basketball, be it at Langston or be it at another HBCU, because we need that type of talent. We have that type of talent, but we need to keep that type of talent in our own diaspora.
3: Well, you have to appreciate that kind of talent from an administrative level. I mean, we know the real reason Willie Simmons left. It wasn't all because he sought higher aspirations, which he did seek higher aspirations. But we understand, you know, everything wasn't what it should have been from an administrative level. Was it wasn't
2: peaches of, and cream. You no,
3: know, the, the, the lack of appreciation, the full the full lack of appreciation will come out in time, but we know enough over the past two months to know that it wasn't what it should have been. Okay. Sure. So that is the big challenge now because there are great coaches. I mean, I, I w- you know what we could do a we could do a uh <coughs> excuse me we could do a of HBCU coaches under fifty, under 45. And I bet uh, I might be dating my right? I mean, but let's just say there are some great young coaches in in, in like Robert Jones over at Norfolk State, Lavelle Milton, North Carolina Central. Um, I, I'm just spitballing two names: Kenny Blakeney over at Howard. Um, I mean, Wright is in that mix. I mean, there there are other there are there are coaches who are. Doing a great job, and that's why we consistently see and talk about their teams. And th- they, th- there has to be levels Fred, of Fred, I Fred, think-
2: Fred Watson at at Miles, yes. uh, 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 Alfred Jordan at Clark Atlanta, right. a couple other names I want to right. throw on that list.
3: Th- th- those, that th- the, the 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 resources. To keep those coaches, you know, because because I think what 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 has to and here's what's so impactful about what he's doing at Langston. Them being number two in the country matters. Okay? Because it's a place that most HBCU programs don't find themselves. Like I love the fact that Benedict um still remains in the top 20 in the nation in the D2 rankings. You know what I'm saying? All that matters because it, it, it just it just matters. Now, I can't now,
2: now here's, here's the question, Brian. Yeah. Is Langston with with their record and everything they've done? Are they number two if they're in the HBCU conference?
3: Number number two what?
2: In the nation. Or they double two of the day shift in the HBCU, and, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you the one to look at. Mm. Tougaloo, last year. Yeah. And it, like I said, this is no disrespect to Langston, but this is disrespect to our HBCU.
3: Well. I, I guess...
2: Well, I should say HBCUs a disrespect. You're,
3: you're getting into the great debate and question about what conferences, how conferences are rated, what conferences do outside of their conference, you know. Um,
2: Hell, Tougaloo beat every NAIA program they faced last year until the tournament.
3: See, I, I still have a... And I can't prove it, but I still have... I have a suspicion, right, that there's no merit to the to the belief that the swac as a conference is worse than say i don't know the ohio valley or caa and all the reason i say that is because compare it to you know like who are the caa's playing like if you say if we're talking basketball what how many how many conferences are there what is it a power 6
2: you got, you got that. Then you got an, another tier of six. All right. So let's say probably.
3: So out. So what I'm saying is, outside of so, if you just looked at quad ones, because maybe that's a, probably a better way of of evaluating what, how the NCAA looks at things and perceptions. Like, what are the number? If you go and look and say, what are the quad ones wins? the difference in the SWAC in another conference in the quad one wins and losses is probably no different. What it is, it's quad twos, quad threes. I mean, that's where the difference is. And so when you have a conference made up of a whole bunch of quad fours, you're never going to rise up. You're never going to come out of that muck, so to speak. When the whole conference is a quad four. (laughs) (coughs) I mean, you're not, you can't come out of it,
1: but two, two, two.
3: It, it, it's what, it, it's the twos and threes. So yeah. that that's, a, you know what, that's a, that's a summertime project. What it's all said and done, Drew, is to look at and say, what are quad two and three wins for that conference versus the SWAC or versus. Or the MIAC. Or the MIAC, you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> Last thing before we get into our next uh, our next portion. You, you know something, Brian? I was thinking about this when so I was riding through the hotel. Once upon a time, today was, tonight was bus TV with the NBA All-Star Game. Right. Now, it's there's nothing else on TV but this. It's kind, it's kind of how it is. You know, there was, there was a point in time you wouldn't miss the slam dunk contest. You wouldn't miss three-point shootout. You know, you wouldn't miss any of this stuff. I don't know about you, but me, I, it's kind of, yeah, I, I'll tune in and watch it at some point in time or watch the replay tonight. But the all-star game has truly lost its luster to me. Uh, yeah,
3: the, I, I think all of them have lost their luster to me because, well, let's just, let's just keep it real. Football does no longer, no football no longer has a legitimate, actually, you know, what football <laughs> did, bless you, what football does is actually probably the realest and most honest thing that they do is the way they structure it. So we're just going to do competitive games and
2: flag, flag football because <laughs> that's yeah. all the, that's all the Pro Bowl had turned into anyway
3: if the NBA wanted to keep it real you know what they would do is they instead of trying to play a five on five play some three on threes play some three on three games where it's a faster like oh here I'm gonna get in trouble like big, the three. big three? oh, there's a
2: yeah can't do that can't, can't do that, do that. You do that. You have ice cube. I got. I got that. a better one. I got a better one. You know, instead of East West or Team LeBron versus Team Steph or whatever, wh- wh- however they've been drafting the teams in the past. This why not go USA West?
3: This year they went back. Yeah,
2: East-West. but why not in an Olympic year go USA against the world?
3: Ooh, you could do that nowadays. You could do that
2: in an Olympic year.
3: Uh, is that is this an Olympic year?
2: Yeah, this is an Olympic year.
3: Oh, this would that would have been hey, look.
2: I mean, a team with Giannis and yoke, uh, yoker, yokovic, and uh,
3: so you could have a uh, you know, Giannis, Joker, Luca, uh, yeah, keep going? Um, yeah, going. Um, I'm sure you got somebody from Canada,
2: All right? Who's you, you, partner? the put. You to put Wimby on, oh, Wimby, Wimby, Wimby on the team just because
3: on the team just because exactly yes yeah. or um that would have been really interesting to do
2: and uh, they could i they mean they could have played the uh, whatever the dream team to be for this year or the potential dream team
3: hockey has done that I think hockey has done that the way that the the idea that you have, yeah,
2: I know hockey has done it
3: hockey has done it and uh but they 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 seem to embrace their their international game the way the way the international structure is set up. Well
2: that's there's, there's probably more internationals in the NHL than any other of the other major four sports. Yeah.
3: Um baseball is probably still the the
2: I would best. love to see it in baseball too.
3: I think you could do it in baseball nowadays. You could there, there's enough international players but I also think it would be. Uh, well, would it be? Hev- it would be heavily skewed towards
2: <laughs> Dominic- the, It would be heavily Dominican.
3: The the the, the 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 well, not just Dominican, but the Latin. It'd be heavily skewed. Yeah, the Latin America. It ha- it'd yeah. be heavily skewed where maybe you'd have a few guys like Shohei or uh, some Asian ball. Maybe players, a couple
2: of Canadians.
3: Right? Maybe a couple of Canadians, right? Yeah, but um, I was just—it's <clears throat> funny you—it's funny you—you—you you, you took me there, uh, about the All Star game. As I'm sitting here, you know, on NBA TV, there's just uh, they're showing, I guess, highlights of—I don't know—various All Stars or whatever. But it it got me to t- thinking about. The, the thing that I wanted to, I thought I was going to open the show with, with this about where did this culture of being a hater came from and, and why we're just, why we're just sitting, we're just, we're just, we're just over congested with this, with everybody being a hater. You know I I really so here's here's what I, here's what I'm saying okay right last Please, me. night last night this happened right
2: mm-hmm.
3: Steph Curry versus Please. Sabrina Ionescu now yes. this was this was supposed to be right some NBA mergers with the WNBA the two best It was shooters. fun. It was supposed to be fun right? Right. Um I think she shot with a with a women's ball, you know, from the from the men's line. Right. Well, for sure. which is
2: which is one foot further.
3: One foot for and for her, it's no it's, it's no big deal, right? It's no big deal. That one foot would not have made a difference if you watched her play at all. That wouldn't have made a difference. But why do you think? Guess what was all on my timeline? Oh, Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith and him not getting the memo about what this was and some of his comments, which many people have.
2: In like Enlightened in me because I, 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 I missed him. I was out of pocket yesterday.
3: Well, I guess Kenny Smith had made some comments that Sabrina should have shot from the women's line. And Reggie Miller, who was also on the call, I don't know whether they were doing this on purpose. I don't know whether they were playing good cop, bad cop. You know, good uh, good, good wrestler and the heel, as you know, Reggie. Uh, Reggie. I wish I could pull up the the audio, but I, I don't want to get it flagged. We don't want to get
2: flagged. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, Kenny Smith. At the end of the day at the end of the sort of clip and after Steph had won sort of seemed to imply that Sabrina did a disadvantage or, or was that a disadvantage because she shot from the men's line instead of the women's line to which Reggie Miller was like, come on, that had nothing to do with it. Uh, this was still a great event. Steph just shot and hit two more, two or three more baskets than her. I mean, two he more. Up, he, two more. Two more. Right. Two more. Two, which was uh, a regulation ball and a money ball. So he beat her by three points. Right? Right. So here we are on equal ground. Right. She's shooting with the women's ball, A, right? That's what they play with. He's playing with the men's ball. But they're they're on equal ground in terms of their shooting range. But somehow that wasn't enough. And so Kenny got totally, he got, at least I haven't seen, there's been a lot of of comments (laughs) bashing Kenny uh, essentially for his sexist, uh, I don't know if you want to call it sexist, or you can call it misogynistic, whatever word you want to use <coughs> for his comments in the play. And it got me to thinking, Drew, why would Kenny do that?
2: Why? Is- you know why? You know why, Brian? Because there was somebody at home who was thinking the same thing that Kenny said. Why did she not shoot from the women's line? That and really if she though? if she if she had shot from the women's line, then there would have been another debate. If she if she beats Steph shooting from the women's line, saying it, that the only reason that she won was because it, she shot from the women's exactly, line with the women's ball, exactly. Exactly. So that, that there was no win in this. They did the best they could to even the playing field. You gonna sh- we're going to shoot from the men's line, but we're going to allow you to use the women's ball, which for those who don't know it's a 28.5 versus a 29.5 and it is a couple of ounces lighter than a men's ball because and reason i can say this having coached women's basketball when i pick up a women's ball and i would try to uh sh- go through some shooting demonstrations all my shots initially were long were long until i adjusted to the to the to the weight of the ball because the ball is lighter and then after you go through a whole basketball season coaching women's basketball and then you pick up a man's basketball all of a sudden everything that you shoot it is, is short because the women's ball is lighter right. Right. yeah it is it, it, slight but you it is it, slight enough where it it, it your shot but it's not saying that you can't adjust if you know how to play ball but you know they did the best they could it, it wasn't like it wasn't like they say let's have a duck contest so we going to lower the rib down of that cheap for
3: right 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 and and so it it just speaks to that culture and and that 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 permissive attitude or that era of hate that we're dealing with and that's really <coughs> it's really been it's it's really been a theme it's been something that i've been noticing for the last week for this last week, this, this you know this image triggers people. This image <laughs> triggers people. Drew, what? People, people hate seeing? Love now. Granted, she's a superstar,
2: and he's a superstar,
3: <laughs> and, and he's a superstar at his level in his sport. And people hate. I mean, I. I mean, you know, there, there's like oh, the, these Swifties coming into. The world of
2: football, the, probably the greatest thing that has happened to the NFL.
3: Oh, uh, you know. Oh, now see that that'll get that'll get a lot of hate because a lot of people swear uh, that it was Usher's halftime performance that brought all these Super Bowl record numbers of eyes to the to the TV screen. And I, it's a combination of both. I, you know, with no disrespect to to Usher Raymond you know he's not had, taylor swift we've had some great halftime shows over the last 4 years up uh, there's a great piece that roy wood put out a comedy skit about the super bowl halftime shows being really black over the last 4 years <laughs> it's like <laughs> it was, it's a funny skit that he did in one of his recent stand up shows about how the halftime shows have been really black and they may never be blacker than what they've been over these last 4 years <laughs> it's, it's funny, but the Super Bowl numbers were, you know, oh, you know, were outrageous. They they were the it was the most watched, <coughs> most watched television event ever. I didn't think was possible in this day it's, and age.
2: I didn't either because which, there are
3: so many more
2: people, with which is why more options which is why, Edwin, I made this comment. The greatest thing that ever happened to NFL football from a marketing point of view, yes. Taylor Swift, along with everything else. Let's think about this, Edwin. Less than 10 years ago, people were shying away from football, especially females were encouraging their young boys not to play football because of concussions. Now, you've got all those people starting to migrate back because of why? Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Beautiful marketing. Whether it's planned, whether it's not planned, but the byproducts of it, the NFL, Roger Cadell could not have planned anything better from a marketing point of view.
3: Last year's Super Bowl, 115 million people watched it, right? This year was 123. Now, all things are comparative. Last year you had Kansas City and Philadelphia. Philadelphia's a pretty big sports town, pretty pretty big market. Yeah, you had a pretty big halftime show last year, Rihanna, right? And so, I I, I, I and just looking at what was different from last year to this year, a new fan base was introduced to the game. A new fan base wanted to watch the game. Yeah, I yeah I know I know Usher had a great performance, and I know hey, great the Sonic Boom was there. But the one thing that was different this year, besides being in Vegas, was Taylor Swift. But saying that, and I'm a hater, or or, or saying that I'm a hater towards Usher. Or here's one better, Drew. Let me let me talk about the hate. And I'm going to call out some of my you people on this one. Because instead of just appreciating the fact that Jackson State got a chance to shine on this stage, you know what us Rattlers did, right? Oh, um, boy. And, well, we, we instantly went to social media and pulled up videos from my favorite Super Bowl of all time, which the Indianapolis Colts won. But it was the Prince halftime show. And the Marching 100 performing Purple Rain with Prince. I mean, the the halftime show had barely even finished, Drew. And all of a sudden, Rattlers had started posting, uh, good job by Jackson State, but it still wasn't better than this. Why? Why do we have to
2: do that? You, you know something. I I give I give that because that's that swag in us, Brian. That's that swag talking trash in us. Cause but, Grambling, Gramb, Grambling has an argument. Fairview has an argument. Southern has an argument. Jackson State has an argument when it come, when it comes to these Super Bowls. They all have performed in the Super Bowl at some point in time. So. And those are just the ones I could think of off the top of my head. There may be others, and you 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 were going to get that no matter what, because if that had been the hundred in there, you'd have got the same thing from Jackson State or from Southern. So I that I could live with that, because that's just us going back and forth having swipe fun. Bro.
3: Yeah, but but it, it it speaks to this overall theme that I'm noticing how we we no longer. Just appreciate greatness. We don't appreciate greatness. We don't appreciate excellence. We're quick to jump on it with negativity. Right? The Chiefs won back to back, third in the uh, third Super Bowl in the last what? Four or five, five. years? Five. Five. Right. Yes. We we already are ready to tear them down.
2: Yeah, Pat We're, Pat Mahomes has become the villain and then what happened uh, unfortunate incident with his dad did not help.
3: Right. Right. We'll, we'll we'll find a way to tear this down in the off season. We'll find a way. And it permeates into our HBCU sports. I mean, Jackson State has probably been one of the most dominant programs in women's basketball over the last 5 years right? And you know, yes, Southern beat them last year. But man, if you say anything even semi-negative or what might be perceived as negative, like I, they, they recently played a game, Drew, at Jackson State. Jackson State had a 17-game winning streak at home. Southern was the last team to beat them Last SWAC team to beat them, right? That shot right there. (coughs) In the second, uh, I think first half, maybe halftime, third quarter, somewhere in there, I sent out a random tweet just watching the game or watching the the press, uh, watching the scores, and I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, Southern's up 10. Middle of the third quarter. What would you normally do if it was any other big game where the top-seeded team was down ten mid third quarter? Upset alert! Just telling people, hey, get to your TV. Something you might want to watch. It might happen. Never said it was going to happen. I just said upset alert, Drew. Wait, you're right. <laughs> but but oh man, I you, you know you know what that did to uh, JSU Twitter. Holy sh. JSU Twitter found a way to keep receipts, and of course, after Jackson State made a great fourth quarter comeback to win the game, I was suddenly everybody's favorite quote tweet. Why? Was I being a hater, or was I just reporting on something that in the moment was, hey, pay attention to, get to your TV sets. Get to your radio. I see Israel. I did. Why do I? Why did I deserve that? If it, it, you would have said that in <coughs> Israel, you would have said that any other sport where the top team was down at home to somebody at that point in the game, you would have. You would have put upset alert. I wasn't saying it was going to happen. I was just saying, hey, there's a possible upset to be on alert. But because we're so conditioned to be haters, we react negatively. Oh, man, talk about the hate. We want to be haters. Let's be haters. Two, 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 Two of the... I, two, you go looking at statistically at what this team did over two years at Jackson State. This was one of the best runs in black college football in SWAC football. <laughs> love that picture of Tracy though. I love the Tracy smiling though. Beautiful woman, beautiful woman. Um, that's why I <laughs> use that picture. But we had to hate on Jackson State in the end because we didn't like how it ended. Oh man, talk about the hate. We, we, well,
2: we that know. was hate amongst. People. Hold on, hold on, Brian. Before you even go any further, that was hate amongst people in that picture with each other. First of all,
1: <laughs>
3: little did we know. Forget the hate. Little did we know. Little did,
2: little little did we
1: know. We
3: know. <laughs> all right, outside of everybody in the swag hating on FMU at that moment, right? You're rooted for our demise. So I, I guess as Kelvin Carter joins us, hello Kelvin. Um, my 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 imagery that I that I bring up is stop. Can, can we find a way to stop being haters and find a way to appreciate greatness and excellence in the moment, or? Have we become because and I, I'm gonna take it here culturally here have we been so excluded for so long we being that it's sort of ingrained in us that we 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 look for the the negative. <coughs> that we look for the negative. That we, we can no longer just appreciate the positive and the excellence, but we look for the negative because we've been denied the excellence from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. It was denied us for so long that now in an era where We could be celebrating more. We probably hate more than we celebrate.
2: uh, Brian, I just got, before we uh, jump on, I got one more level of hate I want to put out there there since we talked about hate. Two things. Caitlin Clark, we know just uh, set the all-time scoring record for women in college basketball. And what
3: we do the instant that came out, what we do?
2: Oh, but I, I I I want to give our people some respect. Let's go with Patricia Hoskins for Mississippi Valley State, who right now I believe she's gonna be like number three or four on the all-time list. Thirty-one hundred of uh, over thirty-one hundred points in her career, half of that without the three-point line, or non-HBCU, but still. Not recognized by the NCAA because she played college basketball before it was sanctioned by the NCAA. Ledette Woodard, who Caitlin Clark still has not caught yet, with three thousand six hundred and forty-nine points without a three-point arc.
3: So you're, a, you're so you're 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 showcasing and great illustrations of my point because we didn't know who those two individuals were from a historical context. Now, the reasons why, I mean, look, I don't know why. I mean, we know why, but this day and age, there are enough outlets that could have made us aware of her, but anyway, (coughs) we weren't. We aren't. So now what we do is we, we turn that moment, for one thing and one person, into uh. Oh, let me let me remind you about this historical thing that you guys never really knew about.
2: So that that goes I mean, it's, to my it, point. It, it, it it it's no different than when you look at a all time uh, college football coaching wins list, and Eddie Robinson, is not on ninety percent of those lists. It's it, <laughs> it's no disrespect to the other guys is, let me not let y'all forget about these people over here. Like them or not, they have done it. it, it, it it's it's why no one talks about John McClendon, when they talk about Coach K passing all these records. You know, all the all the other great African-American coaches. Who couldn't? Who couldn't? Who could even coach against? I, I get you. I get you. But see, that's I'm what sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I am sorry i But but you, this this Black History out. Month, y'all. This Black History Month. Well, I, I look, <laughs> <laughs> and I've and, and I've got I've got a whole other thing, but I'm not gonna get in. Man, Kelvin on here. Let's let Kelvin yeah, get man, in here, what's, man. What's, what's we your took over.
3: You had a chance to kind of hear my my soliloquy or my my thoughts about just this culture of of hate towards excellence or just hate towards things in sports Uh, what's your thought on where it goes and where it's coming from and and just maybe even you want to get into the historical thoughts on it
1: well I think um and I and I work with high school kids on a day-to-day basis uh coaching high school basketball and and the temperament of it, it it's really interesting um I think if we, my parents are HBCU grads, um, graduated from Alcorn State University. And I do agree with the strong sense of pride of where you went to school. But I also, it's hard for me to phantom the amount of hate of Brown if one of us does better than the other, especially if you get into the other market. And I think we saw it at at its highest during the Jackson State component when Deion Sanders came. And I said, well, it they have to have two teams to play football, and and they have to have all of this exposure lends itself for better or for worse um, toward a greater understanding of the platform. I live in Missouri. Drew knows this. I live in a place where I, I was sitting in a Super Bowl party, and they were like, "Carter, who's that band?" And when I looked at it, I said, "That's Jackson State." They said, "Well, how do you know?" I said, "I said I know their style, but I know their colors." And then when I dug into it, uh, kudos to a guy named Rich Fresh, who did their uniforms. And somebody asked me, well, why didn't they wear their regular uniform? I said, you don't understand who Rich Fresh is, because he's the designer for Usher as well. And he also designs custom-made suiting. And this was all a play around, around growing everyone's brand. So I was on the phone with a friend from D.C., and they said, well, I'd love to see the impact numbers from the Super Bowl performers of Jackson State. I said, listen to me. They might not want to disaggregate the data, but they're going to get more kids that want to try out for the band for a scholarship. They're going to get more people that want to come to Jackson state. And the one thing that I really love about the HBCU culture right now is even in spite of our facility challenges, our housing challenges, just because of where we are in the country right now, it just would make you glow to see Jackson state on that stage. And I can't, you know, my band's playing in the background. I'm not talking about, well, the sounds would have did better or Ramblin would have been a better representation. No, I'm like, holy cow, Jackson State is on the two. They did Motown at 50. They did the Super Bowl. You know, and, and I just think that we take our healthy joshing. We were all together in Atlanta for Celebration Bowl. I did not say I was not coming to Celebration Bowl because Alcorn wasn't there. I said, I'm coming to the celebration bowl because this is a celebration of HBCU culture. And I even talked to Mr. Grant about it and said, you might want to market this a little bit differently because as you look out in your crowd, so many people are represented. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just build it as the cumulation of a great year and this is a homecoming or or HBCU championship? That's the way I look at it. You know, from a hatred standpoint, it's just it's real intriguing. We we kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit. A rising tide. You know, rises all the boats that are in. So, you know, it's just in this Black History Month, the Lynette Woodard piece to me, Drew, it's one of the most fabulous things I've ever seen in my life. She played with a men's ball, with no three-point line, and they don't mention the lady's name. It's the craziest thing ever. But again, it's
3: it's the NC the the rule. It's the it's the NCAA record. That sees breaking
2: right so but not the AIAW. but right. hold on i i've got to throw one more thing on that lidette woodard three years three years yeah <laughs> that's just like pete maravich don't score records pete
1: maravich said with no three-point line in three years Right. Well, I think, Drew, here, here's what I'll say. I think you can use all things to bridge a gap. Like Jackie Stiles was here at Missouri State, and then everybody went to talk. You know, I think to go without mentioning this, and I'll give you a prime example. Don Staley last week when they beat UConn, and I mean they beat the brakes off of them, she had a chance to throw a real, real shade and dig on Gino at UConn. Instead, She took the other road and said, I would not be here. This program would not be what it is if you didn't do what you did and are doing at UConn. So I think in terms of that hatred, if we would take the opportunity to build one another more, strengthen one another more, then there would be more opportunity. And that leads me to what I was thinking about with even with our football. It's like, at what point do we say our football is what it is our bands are what they are, and packages that is a total experience. It has been so unnerving trying to watch Swipe Basketball, and Drew and you oh, and I talking yeah. about this. Yeah, I'm like, why not? And so nobody has the rights. So now Drew has to stream us on YouTube twenty eight fifty, and and, I, and I'm like, you're fighting over nothing and you're losing everything. But this goes back to <laughs> small- and-
2: that's the quote of the day. That's the quote. That's the quote of the year, right there, Brian. You're fighting over nothing and you're losing everything.
1: It's the weirdest
2: of that. <laughs>
1: <it>. <laughs> I haven't seen one. I'm trying to watch the game. I'm on the phone with Drew. Like, Drew, can I watch the game? I'm tired of watching Morehouse. You know, you know, we cover Morehouse and Everett I'm like, well, can I? Can I see? And finally, and then people get mad. Oh, they're in. They're on TNT with Hampton and Howard. And I was like, well. Well, dude, the other night I watched Bethune Cookman and I believe Ford AM on ESPNU. Great coverage, great film work. And I'm saying to myself, I said, at a minimum, can I just see my team? Can I just see eight swag team? You know, it, it's not that hard. All corners so on YouTube. Me. All corners on YouTube. I was no, watching no, no. I'm I was... Why I do, it. I'm I'm just saying this, Brian. Oh, okay. It's so challenging. Oh, every believe... week the swag play, oh. everybody wanted to see their team and yes. SID's are streaming the games. Yes, yes. Can we just fix it to where, hey man, hook in with BCSN, hook in with a local partner, do it would do whatever it takes. I shouldn't be like, man, I can't even watch my game. Is the craziest thing.
3: <coughs> yeah, well, look, they they have a they have a television partnership. Really? Fine. They, they they do. They with do.
1: who?
3: Uh they have uh they have a primary deal with uh I may get the I may get the, the, the technical jargon incorrect here, but they have a primary contract with ESPN and I believe they have a secondary contract with HBCU Go.
1: So Brian, do we get held hostage in this though? We do.
3: Oh, okay. We do okay, because <laughs> unlike other conferences where their all of their games are being shown on, for example, ESPN plus mm-hmm. or even the CAA where North Carolina AT and Hampton play out of all their games appear on Flow Sports. Every conference game. What you have is schools aren't produced well when when you're not set up for ESPN and if HBCU Go isn't pulling in your feed, which they aren't, right? The HBCU Go is not pulling in the feed. So what you get is the Wild West, where you get Jackson State charging you $20. $20 to watch one game. Like, if I
2: wanted
1: to watch the men's
3: game,
2: it was $20. That's ambition.
3: If I wanted to watch the men's game, Twenty dollars, oh, or I could pay for the year-long pass, which is seventy-five. I don't want to give Jackson State that much money. Love y'all, JSU, but I'm not giving y'all that much money. Famu charges ten dollars for a month, but I got well, a
1: month. Well, what I'm getting at is, and I Every think this school something. Drew and I talk about this all the time. I work at a high school where where I can sit here. It was a snow day Friday, and I could sit here and watch any school in the state of Missouri on youtube great broadcast i told him i walked into a gym i saw three cameras i was like this is interesting and they were broadcasting the high school game live they might not have had commentary but they had scoreboard time plays and i could watch i can watch it's just and i probably don't know the nuances of it but there again that goes along with the part that you guys talked about earlier with the haiti um well we'll figure out a way for nobody to see anything you, you, won't, you, won't, you, won't see, you won't see nothing, period, except for and then you're going to complain about what they do over at TNT, which I really enjoyed the broadcast of the Hampton, the, the, the games with – and I didn't know the guy um, – Grant Hill was on the broadcast, and I didn't know the coach at one of the schools was a teammate of that it went to Duke. And so I was like, but it's all we get is what you want to spoon feed us but we got a team playing every other night. Help me make it make sense. But you didn't want to complain about alumni not giving any dollars. Well, give me a reason to to give you some money, and I can't see my product. You want me to donate to the men's basketball program, and I can't see them on TV? Stop it. It doesn't make sense.
3: (laughs) I'll take it one step further, uh, Kelvin. What's also disheartening, so, even if you don't pay the prices to watch these games, nobody's putting together highlight packages to let you even watch the two-minute summary of the game. Now,
1: let that sink in. Again, <laughs> I'm just talking a two-minute hey, video highlight let, package. Let that sink in. I'll tell you, I'll give you a prime example. I coach at a local high school here in St. Louis, Missouri. We don't have the best basketball players and we don't have the worst basketball players, right? However, I can go to YouTube like clockwork the next day and it's a four-minute reel about that game that would make you think I was at an NBA game. you They have all the technology needed in somebody's hand, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's a whatever, to produce reels and you can't get... I was like, this is strange to me. Now, I know some of these guys like to hold it over somebody's heads, oh, I'm not going to put your stuff up. This is the craziest thing in the world. Deion Sanders came in and showed you the power of these platforms. And I, I promise you, we can't be as, I, I don't want to believe that as a people, we're this bad to where, oh, he left, man, we're doing everything in reverse.
2: I, 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 want, I, want, I want to comment on that again and Brian can attest to this. And Kelvin, you know a little bit about this. You can't be a Twins until then. And I'm going to throw this out there. Everybody remembers the success of the pregame show. Okay. Three, four years later, what everybody forgets. Now, the pregame show was actually started pre-prime. A lot of people don't remember that they partnered with, with Jackson State and Prime because it was just a show just to cover Jackson State and Jackson State Athletics started by a couple people who, who we happen to know, Charles Bishop Neely, to cover the institution that they love. They happened to get the big fish, Coach Prime, and we watched. What started off as a podcast, people to say people, grow into this national platform, and yeah, we had we had something to do with it. At Black College Sports Network, you know, we we were with them from the ground. Dr. Caville was was one of the people who helped helped to create the concept. We we produced we produced those early shows at the uh black college sports network and pretty much pr- produced a lot of the pregame show until Coach Prime left and went to Colorado. And it has taken a life of its own since leaving Black College Sports Network and going off on its own. But we ha- we not I I'll not talk about us black college sports, but we haven't seen what this media could do if done, right? If you bottle this up, why why is it that no other school has been able to bottle this up and do something similar?
1: Drew, I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I, I talk with my group so much about it. It's the hardest, like Dr. Cavill is asking the question right now. Where's the money to do all these things? We're, we're not talking about things that cost money. I'm talking about low-hanging fruit. I'm talking yes. about the things that are all, You have a kid that's on Scholarship right now that needs Pre-game
2: shows started off with A, with a couple of iPhones
1: and a, and a couple iPads Man, you have Canva You have, what's the name of the new one, Drew, that we're Using now? Uh G- Gipper. Gipper.
2: Hey, Go Gipper These
1: people are paying in excess of
2: St- You still got a dope, all the Adobe products
1: Yeah, $15,000 a year to have Gipper to put out a flyer But I can't get an update on How's my men's basketball team doing? How's the soccer team doing? <laughs> like this is not that deep. It, I think some of this goes into has anybody actually went and asked a question like, "Hey, can somebody just be my my video logist? Uh, we'll we'll do we'll do something in the cafeteria for you. We'll do this. We can make it work, steady." I just think at some point somebody has to say, "You don't go from the coverage that we were getting," and I and I will say. It was uh, barstools and it was the machine, but you don't go from what we had the last two years to absolutely nothing. It's it's your worst nightmare that we're so hateful towards one another that we say, "Man, I'm not doing anything." Are you serious, fam? You just had one of the greatest seasons that culminated in a championship, and as great as you guys are. I didn't get one inside peek at what made Willie Simmons and the Rattlers tick. And I might not be on those platforms. I'm just saying like, I didn't really get a lot. Like I met, I was blessed to be with you guys at swag media day and see the quarterback up close and see Willie Simmons and get a chance to talk to him. But somebody that might get off their couch and give you a couple hundred bucks or 200 bucks, they didn't get an, they didn't get a good look at like, what does it look like inside fam you? What's your locker rooms look like? what's a day in the life with the quarterback at fam look like had they do walk around on campus and just do a v-blog and just send it in let's chop it up let's put it out come on brian come on ad come uh, on roy
3: they are doing those some some of those kind of things are being done at 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 FAMU. Um, you um you're probably getting more of those kind of things than the uh the highlight packages. I, I just want to see the highlighted games. I mean, I, you know, some of the games, the women's, I, I don't want to see the highlights from the men's games, but the, I, 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 want, to, I want to see, what you know, like I could I look at a, you know what it is, Kelvin? I'm back to a time period when I was a young, starving teenager that this was very early stages of the cable and all I had was a box score, a radio and my imagination. That's honestly where I am these days with cuz I can look at the box score, I can imagine, I can go look at the shot chart, I can go look at the play by play and I can imagine the game. But I have no I have no audio. I have no video. So all I have to go on is my imagination.
1: Well, well, Brian, I'll tell you something that's interesting. So it's I'm great. a 49ers fan. They lost in the Super Bowl. But, but in this region in Missouri, you only get your local feed, right? So one day I was just – I was like, well, let me just type in on YouTube and see if I can watch the 49ers game. Man, I typed in on YouTube and it was three guys just like us. I don't know how they pulled it off, but they got this 49ers like page. You go in, you watch the game, but they're commentating on the game. Now, these guys were horrible. (laughs) I mean, they were really, really bad. But I'll tell you this. I was able to pull up on my, my TV that's behind me, the 49ers game, and turn the sound off and watch the game because they blocked it out in this market. And my point in saying that is if Yahoo number one and Yahoo number two they're on there asking for donations they're on there like hey man can you yeah, yeah. you know we, we're trying to get the fan duel status or whatever if they can do this I don't know how what, is, off. Yeah, what is stopping for a kid what is stopping two kids from saying man we about to go live from the basketball game because I told Drew, I was on the phone with him when I was watching Bethune Cookman versus Alcorn, and I told him I said hey this has to change this could be really nice small gym. Guy standing along the side of the court. It had all the trappings of like a, a like a live above the rim uh, movie, but it's a real team. And I said, I would I would pay to watch this if you could just give me give me more of this with this type of energy, because it's a small gym. You know, it's just like, you know, you don't you know, I love the family gym. It looks great on TV. But at the end of the day, we do have some quaint environments that can be promoted.
2: Fabius, Jim, the loss of Sitter is only good on, on graduation. That's always to so before. We get it. We get it.
1: Um,
3: I I don't I don't have uh, you know I <laughs> doc, doc. I I love I love Doc. Uh, doc, is the, doc is Doc is, the, doc is the, I, I've been reading Doc. Doc is the conscience of like while, uh, while we are just. While we are just randomly spitting out ideas and and voicing our frustration doc is the is the sound uh voice of reason uh okay
2: you, so, you know you know what you know what dr caville is right now and uh you know careful when we used to go to the barbershop and you know all the all the people in the chair that's us we the people in the chair just sit up there talking all that smack in the barbershop and dr caville the one with the clip is cutting everybody hair like now y'all know y'all flipping up there why, why, why he edging you up and everything else That's not the deal of this conversation
1: But here's the truth that, right? You know you can't God do you that real right? knows. No, no, There's no reason
3: <laughs> You can't just have any random person. You can't have a random person Just uh, uh,
1: Do that work for free That's not legal I just, <laughs> Think about the it, Brian man. Brian and AD I, yeah. all right, let's, let's put it at a real basic level I said this to AD and AD was like It might not look that good Every high school in the state of Missouri has a huddle cam in their, in their building. It's not the best feed. It's not the prettiest feed, but I, I lo- I like the feed cause I love basketball from that angle. And guess what? Every game streams for free. Now you can call it illegal, but if you are telling me a grandmama from Florida can watch their baby play in St. Louis, Missouri on huddle for free. And I'm begging my school to put it behind, um, Behind the paywall, and they were like, Um, we don't want to do that to our people. I'm like, Shoot, you're gonna ask me for some fundraising dollars anyway. Charge the people two dollars a game, they're gonna pay it. <laughs> but it just, I'm just saying, there are so many simple things we can do. Why do we have a mass communications department at Ball Corner? We're not gonna produce
3: nothing. See, no, now see, Uh-oh. Uh, diet. Oh, oh, yeah! Don't don't, don't go there. <laughs> now you start getting into, start Uh-oh. getting into.
1: Where you yeah. go, Drew? What, what happened, Drew? I I, I know you, I, Drew. You at the hey, Drew? You at the Holiday Inn Express? Uh, I know you got <laughs> you got a good sleep last night. So I'm just
2: saying, Calvin. Uh, what you just said makes so much sense, but you know there. And this is where Doc can chime in again on this. There are so many different dynamics on why we can't do something that makes sense to you and I, of uh, because academics and athletics, just cause just cause they're the same under the same umbrella of XYZ University, don't mean they have the same common goals. but
1: well, I'm gonna tell you what's honest, uh, Drew. I have a fraternity brother whose daughter goes to the University of Missouri. I am vehemently against our kids going to those schools, but he said, "Well, Carter, you can't argue with the fact they got one of the best schools of journalism in the country." I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's all right, good." So I saw her during Christmas break. I said, "What have you been working on?" She said, "I've never been to a soccer game before, but it's a part of my assignment in the school of journalism. I have to cover cover soccer for this period of time." She said, "I got my own camera." I got my own computer and I got to go out here and do a broadcast from this soccer game. I said, really? And she said, yeah, it's got to be kind of good because it's going up on our, on our platform. And all I'm saying is, and I had this conversation with Alcorn, it was really, really interesting that they said all they want to do is the football game. I said, well, if you tell them in order to do the football game, you got to do five soccer games. Somebody going to say, I'm going to go do this soccer game because I want to do Saturday. Because, you know, the highlight of the week at HBCU is the football game. You got soccer, you got volleyball, you got all these things going on. I just think that the student body is a lot more engaged than some of us want to give them credit for. Hey,
2: hey Brian, here's a concept. Here's a concept, Brian. And Dr. Civil C. Bobley would love you for this. If you took the SBI professional development model and applied it to what we what we do here from a journalistic point of view. And yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this, Brian. You know how we had the S bottles and those rattlers who are here who understand that SBI bottles, where the students ran everything as part of their grade. Mm. We, we, ran all the, we ran all the different companies and we ran it from each. Each different division had a CEO, a president. You had your vice president. Now nah, it wouldn't need to be that elaborate, but you know, your executive producer, your producer—that same type of model, as far as except on the sports journalism point of view, Brian.
3: I I think the
2: with the, with the, a with 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 a faculty advisor overseeing each each of those things.
3: The biggest disconnect, and I know people like to talk about media rights, is the biggest disconnect in in black college athletics. (laughs) But no, in my opinion, the biggest disconnect comes from most, not all, most university presidents and their inability to, hear hear what I'm saying here, make, uh, or let me say, Strongly encourage their two most relevant academic programs work with their biggest mm, marketing uh marketing marketing yeah. uh a- a- a platform, which is athletics. The inability of universities to take their Communications slash journalism schools and their business schools and have them work with athletics. <laughs> I mean, conceivably, all the heads of these colleges or, or or whatever are probably vice presidents or deans, right? So they work underneath who? The president of
2: the, the president. University.
3: So the president's inability to bring these three groups together into a room, into a meeting, and say, how can we all work together? How can my renowned journalism department and my esteemed business program help our university's beloved athletic program? I don't have to be in the room for this conversation. But guess what? I want you guys to be in this room, so I'm leaving. And I would like a report next week on how we make this happen. That's the biggest failure that is happening at black colleges and universities, I believe, right now.
1: Hey, and Brian, here's what's interesting. This is all while, I'm going to tell you the truth about it. This is all while they're killing the not killing they're taking great advantage of all the nursing students, all the students are in the schools of physical therapy, PT schools. That, all the while, all your student trainers, all these people that cover all these events, they're getting all of these great things. Now, Martin Kavil just made a point. All course state universities have been shorted somewhere around the, the, the number of $256 million in right. state allocated in, in federal funding. Via the US Department of Agriculture because Mississippi State and All State University were supposed to function in, in the manner that they were supposed to function. Now, we've always done more with less, and I believe we have to move past that mindset of I've done more with less, and that just, just the way that I'm going to work. And we need to be demanding our dollars, you know, and all while we're still working. And this might be a conversation that might not be a BCSN conversation. But I told somebody today, I said, this is rather intriguing. The state of Mississippi stole, and we do this, I think, across HBCU land. We had all this conversation about Fred. Two years ago, we was trying to get rid of our president. They was blowing a whole bunch of smoke internally. And the state legislature has literally stolen $256 million. That's not including interest from the university. And I hadn't heard a peep from nobody. But but there goes that hating, Brian. Like you said, I want to bash A.D. and Brian, the football coach and the athletic director, because of the conditions of the locker room, all, all while understanding that this is a byproduct of being underfunded. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, why don't we go up to the Capitol and, and get in some shifts and really get after some people about, Drew's got a legitimate complaint at Alabama – I'll I'll tell you this, and and we can transition. It's interesting to see the difference in how they treat Alabama State and Alabama A&M and how they treat Alcorn and Jackson State, and they're all state schools. Alabama State's facility is fabulous. I mean, they still have work to do like everybody else, but their, their gym, football field, second to none, restaurant, all these things. And I said, this is very interesting. Josh, they and not going. Oh, no. They, 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 they over here. We're not giving you one damn dime and we dare you to say anything about it.
3: Um, uh, side, uh, side uh, point, uh, let me ask this question. Let me ask this question. At what point, and this is, you know, I, I try to keep things in simple terms and simple thoughts here. At what point do all these. And it's not just what's happening in, in uh, Mississippi, but it's happened in Tennessee, it's happened in Florida, it's happened in North Carolina, Georgia, it's in Georgia, Alabama. At what point are, are we wrong to look for national help? I mean, I guess you can't make the le- legislature. You can't make a state pay what they
2: owe. That, is that Here's the problem, problem. Brian. The problem? Hold on, hold on. Here's but, the problem. Here's the problem. You know they owe that money. They know they owe that money. But who's going to pay for this? You and me. Because ultimately, what's going to wind up happening is they're going to tax the crap out of us in some way, shape, or form, be it directly or indirectly. For us to pay the money that you already owe us, well, basically Drew, we, we gonna wind up loading our money back to ourselves.
1: No, Drew. When the, way, ultimately, say it does. But here's the backstory behind this because my parents were very involved with the heiress case in the state of Mississippi, where this funding was demanded. Here's what I'll say about this: if they just said, you know what, for five straight years, Mississippi State, you you on hold, Alcorn State Valley, and Alcorn. All of this, because the federal dollars, and this is the part, and this is the political conversation that people don't really want to, really don't want to hear. You pay federal taxes, and you have a governor like Tate Reeves and Mike Parsons, the governor here in Missouri, that'll say we don't want the federal dollars that Brian and Ad have sent. They've conned the people into the states of, in states, especially states like Mississippi and Missouri, they've conned you into not even taking your own money back. They ain't taxing you, Drew. They already got your money. When you look at your check, you already paid federal taxes. That's all I'm getting at is that you got a state like Mississippi. There's, I want to say, and and I'm going to misquote this, there are less than six black people in the Mississippi state legislature. You, You can't even win a statewide election in the state of Mississippi. Even if Brian and AD win their quote unquote area, you still got to pass through the House and the Senate. And guess where Brian and Kevin and Brian are not going? You're going out the back. door. <laughs> <going> to <laughs> so it gets a little bit bigger than this. That's the reason why sometimes I think we have to dial back and really educate people on when you're complaining about certain things, you have to realize something. Like in the state of Tennessee, I, I, I want them to fight like heck because Tennessee State has done all they could to keep the doors open and do all these things, and now all of a sudden, because the money about to come through, we're going to remove your leadership, your board. Hey, man, stop it. You know, stop it. Brian and AD been doing the best job they could do for 25 years, and now all of a sudden, when they get their they unlimited Eat Better Today card to go start cooking food, you want to go in here and replace Brian and AD as the chef. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's something that we really have to discuss. Yeah. um, Wow. That's a good one, EA. Where do you think Gatorade came from? I
3: I, I just... Man, I'm... It it just ends up being one of those political topics that should definitely be on the front page and on the front of people's minds in this political season. But it, it gets... It'll get lost or nobody will be able to effectively. I don't want to say nobody will because maybe somebody will, but it doesn't look like it's happening that how it's effectively communicated um, is not being discussed.
1: Brian, here's the killing part. Brian and AD help me understand this. Barstools came down here and put Jackson state on the tip of the tongue of some people across this country from every corner from 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 Alaska to Wyoming to New York to 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 Puerto Rico and you're telling me we can't put it on the tongue of underfunding of our universities while you complain about what your people are not doing at your respective universities you know it's one thing too and i think in the educational piece maybe you do a show this black history month most people wouldn't know the difference between a Bethune-Cookman, a Lane, a Tougaloo, a Rust, a Alcorn, a Jackson State, a FAMU, an Alabama A&M, an Alabama State. Most people wouldn't know the difference in these and would lump them all together in terms of funding mechanisms. Most people don't know anything about the church group and denmark Vesey and what they did to break out and these institutions were created. You know, it's like sometimes it's not an apples-to-apples Most people don't know you got Tuskegee and Tougaloo function a lot differently than Alabama State and Mississippi Valley. Different set of challenges. But if we don't put that out there to help that understanding and be a, a vessel of education and empowerment, why can't two messages go on at the same time? Yes, we want to have a great football team, but yes, we need to be at the state legislature letting them have it as many times as we can.
3: That's a great point it's a great point question is who who can we get who can we get to lead that to lead that charge who's who's gonna who's gonna lead that 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 initiative who's
1: gonna who's gonna lead that whatever well, pieces is brian like i said this is the craziest thing rusty is still open by the way this is the <laughs> craziest thing i watched at my university they led a campaign hey when i tell you they led a campaign Seven, eight thousand members of this campaign to get rid of a president. These people, <laughs> I, I promise you, it was an ongoing onslaught. They showed up at the conference in Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, wherever it was. All I'm saying is, g- give the Mississippi State Legislature the same energy that you I- had to tear down a black woman to her shoe. I, go, not, there, I, go there, go and mess with them folks in Jackson, Mississippi. That's right down there on Capitol Street. Go, go, uh, go talk to them. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not a fan, nor uh, um, I'm not a I'm not a hater or a promoter of the former president. He's a classmate, awesome woman. But I just got one question. You gave all that energy to getting one person out. Right. What about 256 million now?
3: Now, I I agree with you, and and I have said that on on my other show. Same thing to Rattler Nation, to say Rattler Nation put a lot of energy into making sure that our AD knows who we want, right? And I said that same kind of energy needs to be turned towards what? Uh, The politics in the state of Florida to make sure that Florida A&M gets the money that it's supposed to get. Or that the, let's just say the the right person is voted into office uh this upcoming year. I've said that very same thing. We can ha- we can we can we can take we can we can turn that energy, we can have that same energy and passion for those instances. And I'm I'm glad you 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 spoke on that at Alcorn, because that's that same kind of energy that you know many people outside of rattler nation had thoughts on uh from the outside but uh inside you knew so yes you can have that same
1: you just got to be able to turn that same kind of passion well you got people I, i'll say this for as many people at all that i know that like the football team there's just as many people that are passionate about a lot of other things and i think what we don't do it, as often as we need to. Is really speak to that audience about what are the other passions at Florida AM that we that you guys are passionate about? What are the other passions at Alcorn? You know, once like I said, once upon a time at USDA, you couldn't beat that. And Florida AM is still a agricultural and mechanical school. You're a land grant institution, you're receiving these funds. What what's going on down here at FAMU? Like what what like like fam is a gold standard? Most people don't. I mean, you guys are grads, right? But when I was growing up, it was like you heard, fam you, and it's just like it's it's gold standard, it, you know. And, and most people might not feel that way about it, but I went to Alcorn, But when you talk about, um, I just went to a young lady's book signing, she wrote a book called HBCU Made, and she's an NPR host, and she's from Winston Salem, and she chose Winston Salem. I mean, she chose to go to Howard for name brand recognition, and she said her choices were fam you. And Howard, although her entire family went to Winston salem So it's one of those things where we got to you have to maybe maybe broaden how our horizons around the show content and say, you know, especially in the offseason, what's going on at the university other than football, baseball, basketball, blah, blah, blah. And how can these universities be supported?
3: Um, Edwin, I, I agree with uh, Edwin's statement about how What makes it simple about having a villain, having somebody to rally against? It Sounds like you had that case there at Alcorn. You had a villain. You had somebody to rally against. You you had one thing. Look, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Don't ask me to do multiple things because then it gets confusing. (laughs) Ask me to do one thing. And make it one thing that I'm really passionate about. And we can do that. I can do that. But if you give me more than that one thing, I'm going to have a problem. I may not be able to concentrate on doing more than one thing. As lazy as it sounds, it's true. Because I got all these other things going on in my life. But you give me one thing, oh, I can concentrate on one thing. And that's what has to happen. That's what has to happen. sad, but it's it's just where we are. Sad but true. Sad but true.
1: Well, hey Brian, this is uh, this is interesting. This comment on here that's really good. It says that. Um, let's be real. Which one? No, which it's one a comment is. around most. We have we still have black folk who have never heard of HBCUs oh, until yeah. prime, and that's downright ridiculous. Let's just be very very clear. I have if you really really think about this. I don't know how all of you were exposed to your HBCU and why you went. I work here in St. Louis, Missouri. In 2024, we're about to load up a bus of 150 students to take them on an HBCU tour because they didn't realize there was more than one university in their college, in their town. Everybody right. in St. Louis, Drew, knows about St. Louis University. Harris Stowe is right across the street. And the kids Literally. Asked, the, kids Literally. Asked me, the kids asked me, Mr. Carter, what is that? I said, that's Harris Stowe State University. What's that? I said it's an HBCU. Oh, we didn't know we had one of those, and they've lived here, and their parents have lived here, so it isn't far fetched. I grew up in the country, so if you went, if a black person went to college, they either went to Russ, Valley, Jackson State, Alcorn, because they rent because we had a Wesley Chapel Church in Meridian, Mississippi, and they actively came recruiting. People that went to the church, you get what I'm saying. And my dad grew up in the Mississippi Delta farmland central, straight slavery over in that joint. He said, "Man, (laughs) go to to the silo or go to all corn." My daddy said, "I'm going to all corn, and I'll be in school for four years while y'all picking cotton." So it's just about why somebody would be exposed to something versus why they wouldn't, and and it's not a bad thing that we don't know. But I charge people to say, it's Black History Month. If you don't know, I'll give you a print. Whoever's on that that said that about people don't know about it. Go to your high school that's in the, in the district where you pay taxes, and walk in the counselor's office and see if they have an HBCU pendant on the wall at that school. Just go on in there and look. because you pay your tax dollars? Go to Shelby County, Memphis High School, Atlanta Public Schools, Houston, Texas, and see if I walk into Houston ISD where they was trying to ban black books, is there a Texas Southern and a Prairie View pennant on the wall? Or is it a and I don't know your other thing, Sam Houston, UT, Texas, UT, yeah, University of Texas. Holler back on that one.
2: Hey, Kelvin, since you, you keep bringing up black history, mom, and I, I've got to ask this question, I'll ask this to both of you, Joe. Um, uh, what how do you feel about how can i put this without sounding sounding crazy when you get asked you you get asked to do something for black history when you work for a when you work for people who don't look look like you and you get asked to speak on black history or to give your thoughts about black history month, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, I I work for a national company that does some sponsorship with the network. And they're very, very, like we just did our black history month program. You know, on one end, you in your, on your inside saying I matter, I matter every month, (laughs) but but we all know that it went from, historically, it went from a celebration of Black History Day to... to
2: Black History Week
1: to, to week month. To month. But here's what we've got to really understand. In the current construct of K-12 education, that's kindergarten to 12th grade, if we did not, now more than ever, if we did not have Black History Month, the way that they have the reading and the curriculums constructed, unless I had an Uncle Brian or an Uncle A.D., I wouldn't know anything about the guys that was uh, Pullman porters on the railroad. I wouldn't know anything about the cotton gin. I wouldn't know anything about invention being the mother of necessity and all these things that came out of our diaspora because they only really talk about you know us being enslaved. And Luther
2: King. Yeah, and 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 they
1: want, and they want to stop talking about him because if you listen to his later content, all he asked is America be true to what you put on paper. He talked about economics. So to, for me, I don't mind talking about it because I think I have enough knowledge to go ahead and spin it into Dr. King and Malcolm were actually talking about economic progress, not about black, white. But they were talking about, uh, as William Barber said, the poor people's campaign. You know, like like how can we a rising tide lifts all boats? So that that's to me. I don't get offended by it, but it's just one of those things, right? Like, it's really. Um, it's really interesting. What about you,
3: Brian? <clears throat> honestly the the uh, the one time that I was asked to participate in something, it was uh, admittedly a bit shameful. I, I you know it was I, I I don't know let's let's just say we had we, the one the best thing we ever had we had a we had a teacher who was a, a science teacher. Um, And she created a project. um, It was like the, uh, the element, what is it? The uh, periodic table Mm -hmm. of, of a black history periodic table. And she had that on the wall. And so every student who walked, because everybody in the school walked in high school and middle school walked past that hall and you, and every, I mean, it was it was broken down from all kinds of categories, arts, uh, science, entertainment, sports. Um, so it was various categories, just like your 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 elements were, or broken down into various categories, right? Um, and she was very intentional. As a matter of fact, she was a Hampton grad, so she was very intentional. She was uh, she was great about that. Uh, somehow there was a a a. I, I put it like this: I don't get asked. I don't get asked. <laughs> I, I I don't because I I think, and I don't know whether it's my look. I it's very it's very. It's sometimes it's I I don't. I don't hide my, my demeanor very well at times. So if I'm uninterested, you know I'm uninterested, and it just <laughs> it just shows on my face that I'm uninterested. And I think yeah. the one time, sometime they did something and uh, during a Black History Month thing, I, I think I may have gone up and they, they somehow somehow evolved into doing the electric slide. I don't know how the hell that happened. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how a Black History thing turned into doing the electric slide, but okay, I was new to the school, so okay, yeah, I did that. But after that, it was like, that that's what we did. I Say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I I'm, okay. I'm just going to kind of stay in my in my room and let y'all figure out what y'all not going to say to these kids about black history. So, what's the
1: school demographic, Brian?
3: Oh, it's it's uh 30 30 30. 30 30 Hispanic, 30 black, 30 white. They're probably probably a very culturally diverse
1: school. Yeah, is it well? Let me ask you this: Is it culturally diverse or ethnically diverse?
3: Ah, that's probably a better way of saying it. it's probably ethnically diverse more so than culturally diverse.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was wondering when you said 30, 30, 30, because yeah. in certain areas that that Hispanic population, quote unquote, might thoroughly relate more. Yeah. And and I will say
3: this: I give credit to. The Spanish teacher, the Spanish teacher, went did a very good job of making sure to highlight during Hispanic Heritage Month of highlighting various Hispanic
1: heritage things. But uh,
3: the few well, after- they have the
1: day, like like one thing that I learned about, and and I worked in K twelve was I had never heard of the Day of the Dead, and it was really intriguing this celebration. Of, you know, the Spanish the Spanish teacher well, taught me about it. But it was interesting that the Spanish teacher wanted to know even more about our history only because she tried to, you know, since it's by history month, we're talking about this. It NBC just ran a whole deal. It was so good, but they ran a whole deal with Rice and Titan earlier. And I've seen it a couple of times. But do you know how do you know what it looked like to see on NBC just two hours ago that Sunday game between Valley and Alcorn? And then they interviewed Archie Cooley on here. And then I was like, if this is on NBC primetime right now, and since Jerry Rice played for the San Francisco's, it's like you work in a high school, Brian. It's like working your lesson backwards by design. That means you put Jerry Rice in front of the people, Walter Payton in front of the people. I mean, there's a noticeable names. There are many others: Donald Driver, Steve McNair. And when you work backwards, it makes somebody go and say, oh, a lot of thought. Walter Payton went to Mississippi State. No, nah, he didn't go to Mississippi State. Where'd he go? He went to Jackson State. I know Steve McNair says he's in Mississippi went to Ole Miss. No, nah, he didn't. You get what I'm saying? It's like if you work it backwards by design, it opens up another conversation. And I just think I think we actually have way more allies than we choose to access. And I'll give you a good reason why I say that. And this is not a bad thing or a good thing. There are more people that don't look like us that would rather see our institutions funded so we can stay over there. And if we made made friends with them, we could probably get... They don't really want me at Ole Miss. I'm going to tell you that now. They don't. They don't want you at the University of Florida. They don't. But there's some people that would... Unless you you can
2: run the ball or shoot the ball. But they that's don't want to
3: give you they don't want to give you the same uh they don't wanna give you the same uh equipment, the same uh support. Same labs. Right. And that's that's the
1: problem. That's what I'm saying. But I think that there are people that if you thought about it, just take the hateful nature of people, right? Like, hey, either a bunch of us gonna come over to your house. Or you can make sure we get what we need for our house. You know what? I think I want AD and Brian to have everything over there because we do not want those guys over here. Hey, and I hey, think Kelvin, I it's, that it's, it's, right?
2: that, it's that family member that's that's covered the town and they call you, can I crash on your couch for a couple of days? Nah, bro. Uh, I got a reservation for you down at the Holiday Inn. I, I'll go ahead and pay for you to stay down there for a couple of days. That's what it is.
1: Yep. And I and I think that that's what we, we have to engender more of those conversations. And I think that's what our parents and our parents' parents were a little bit better at. They understood, I, I always tell people this, they tell the story of Tulsa, right? There's no way Tulsa functioned without some engendered kindness of some people that didn't look like us because the supply chain wouldn't have worked. If you just think about Tulsa, Oklahoma, they burned it down, right? But somebody in the Tulsa group had to had to have some allies of other people to allow everything to flow. We didn't have no boats. We don't have no transportation. And this is Tulsa. So when you think about it, we kind of let, maybe look at that same approach with our institutions. Maybe we start thinking about like, you know what? Let's figure out if somebody's willing to help me just so I'll stay away from them. It don't make it a bad thing.
2: Yeah. All right. Well uh, Brian, we've kind of gone down a rabbit hole for the last hour that we wasn't attending to it. We did we about to run out of time. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to bring it back to uh sports um as I'm sitting here trying to find where um I've seen you guys in the chat room just posting about the cactus jack HBC baseball thing going on. Well it uh, looks like
2: defense was optional
3: defense <laughs> optional which, which site is
2: and pitcher was non-existent
3: so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be real i'm gonna be real transparent because i don't know what site is hosting the m l b is hosting that correct yes all right so in terms of the scores and things of that nature where is that being hosted at
1: is is this a high level men's softball tournament no no this is a, <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just. No, no, no. You said defense playing. Swag, you this is
3: defense. swag baseball. Swag baseball. Yeah, no, no, no. You swag said baseball, baseball
1: opening. Kelvin, I swag know baseball. But, it is, but you said, opening weekend. I know, but you said day was, three. You, but you said everybody's defense. out of pitching. Yeah, you said defense was optional. <laughs> I was just asking. You know, don't get mad at me. That don't shoot the
2: message <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, day three, nobody has any pitching left. Kelvin. Why,
1: why why is that? Why is that?
3: That's
2: Because we don't fund our baseball team.
1: Oh, uh, we fund them at the same level as everybody else. In the swag. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I guarantee I'm gonna tell you something that's interesting. I bet you might not find four people that look like you and I on our baseball
2: team. They might look like you and I, but they don't t- they may not uh Talk with the clarity that you and I do. They may have a uh, uh, Dominican or uh, hey,
1: so Hispanic
2: uh, dialect.
1: Brian and AD. This yes. will blow. This ain't gonna blow your mind, but this is just a little fast fact. The guy that's sponsoring this tournament is a graduate of Lutheran North High School in St. Louis, Missouri. He's okay. a person that if you wanted to talk to about, because he's a baseball lover. If yeah. you wanted to talk about the exact thing you just said, we got a challenge around fully funding our baseball program. You need the ultimate tax write-off. Let's sit down at the table and talk about how we can how we can create a fund or 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 a a a, a backup fund that you get a, a a great tax benefit while ensuring that this great baseball continues.
2: Let's just be real. Kill. Kevin, I, I'm gonna take your problem one step further. Can you name nine? Can you name a starting nine of African American baseball players in the major league?
1: I all nine
2: them. positions. All nine positions.
1: How are we can gonna you do give that? me?
2: How you gonna give? Me, can you give me nine? Not nine
1: black. Nine African African-Americans? How, How See, are you gonna do that? I go watch the Cardinals. There. I'm about to watch 82 games in here, and I'm. And, and if I find a Negro, he's gonna be giving me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's no more Ozzie Smith, Vince Coleman, Willie McGee's, yeah,
2: Daryl yes. Strawberry, Dwight Gooden,
1: Eric Davis, uh, uh, Meridian, Mississippi native Dennis Oil boy, Jackson State University. I just want to, you know, gotta throw that in there. You know, oh, and <laughs> hey,
2: hey, you sure can't find a black catcher.
1: <laughs> uh, you're right. But hey, but you I got one better for you, then, drew Just go to the go to like eighty nine, ninety and ask who a black catcher was. I mean, I'm just saying name three in the last 20 years, or 30 years. I can't even name a black catcher. Can you name one?
2: You got me thinking.
1: No, I'm trying to think because I, I, you know, I'm a Mets fan too, and I liked uh, Gary Carter. Then I like Carlton Fisk over with the White Sox. I'm just trying to think. When you start talking about name a name a black catcher, I can't even remember one.
3: I, I see I'm, when you say you got, you, got you got me thinking
1: now, I'm, I'm dumbfounded on that. I can't even remember who had one because, like, if you think about the position players that we really like, which are Eric Davis is playing a great outfield. Now, I'm gonna tell you what's interesting. Ray Lankford told me something about this baseball piece that was very smart. He played for the Cardinals. He said, one of the reasons why they shrank the, the pool of African American players gets so small. He says, when you show up in the box, when, you, when they're getting ready to put you in positions, he said they limit all the black players to a space which only has three positions, right? So if, if all of the black players go out to the outfield and they don't let them, because he said every black player that he knew from Strawberry to Eric Davis to all these guys played multiple positions in baseball. But all of a sudden when they get to the majors, you got to think about it. At one point in time, the Jackson Mets had Dale Strawberry, Doc Gooden on the same team in Jackson, Mississippi, and this was before the Braves took over the organization. Charles Johnson, okay, we we got our on one.
3: Yeah, that. No, that I'm,
1: I'm just asking,
2: who did he play for? He played, the Marlins.
3: He played with the Marlins.
2: Yes, I do this remember him now.
1: O-R- Cador,
2: hmm. Roger Cador, legendary oh, coach. of something you know. You
1: said he played for the Marlins. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's 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 intriguing. So we got one black catcher named out of us three talking <laughs> and somebody had to chime in. in the last
2: thirty years,
3: and it in took the somebody to
2: chat to come up with it.
3: Well, I I am not gonna lie. I did a Google search while while you guys were chatting away, and that's what I that's the thing that came up. So, I, whoever was in the chat, they probably did the same thing that we did. They said well. time, yeah.
1: they had to type a long time. B Hey
2: it. hey 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 Brian, did your computer start buffering?
3: No, no, it didn't. It, I managed to survive it. Y'all are funny. MLBBro.com. That's a that's a good site. That's a site uh major league ba- black and brown major league <laughs> baseball players MLbbro.com
1: you said that's the name
3: of the site yeah, bro that's the name of the site MLbbro.com it's a <laughs> uh, wow i hey it's a it's a great hey it services a unique market uh focused in on highlighting black and brown uh players in major league baseball.
1: Well, you know what, Brian? You actually hosted somebody that was on the show probably six months ago. Yes, that was a baseball guy. That was he was f- fabulous. I loved his the the tournament that he was putting on, the hosting. You know, I I, I just you know baseball is
3: interesting. Charles Johnson, a four time glove Golden Glove winner from ninety five to ninety eight, and I think that was. I think the Marlins might have won a. Did they win?
1: They Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yeah. You know they yeah. win, they sell the team. They win, they sell the team. That's what the Marlins. And won. they ain't won again. Yeah, they win, they sell the team. You know the, they you know the crew they, they can got, win, They got they got two under their
3: belt, two more than a lot of organizations.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Hey, hey speak,
2: speaking of baseball, I know we, we can really get out of here. We're gonna have to bring on uh, my daughter, baseball prospects and talk about what they're doing to uh, grow the game of baseball bug, uh African Americans. You know, A- uh, Alex Hines, uh, Reggie Hollins, former baseball coach at uh, at Tuskegee University, Jarrell Calhoun, and all those guys. We're gonna have to bring them on one day. Just let them talk about what they're doing. Yes, I mean, that's do. I'm
3: down for it. I mean, you know. Uh, you know, guys, and, and, really and those good. guys are also doing something with the softball too. They also, they also, uh, they also have a softball uh, and, program going
2: as right. well. I mean, the, they were da- they were there in Houston this past weekend with uh, Cactus Jack. I know they were in Houston. So, oh, uh, sure. with the camp. I'm yes. sure. I'm sure. Um, before we go, uh,
3: since you know, I I, I worked on this basketball thing so much
2: and dog and damn it you gonna get it in
3: I mean, look i don't care if you guys stay on the show or not i'm or I'm just gonna talk to myself i really don't care i started <laughs> i started the damn show talking by myself so if i gotta end the show talking about myself it's all good but i i want to do i did want to get this out and put this in the because if not i'll never do this again i, I you know i i kind of had this little bug to say uh, you know the when the NCAA released their uh top 16, which which now what the NCAA does is they give you that college football kind of thing where every week they're going to update the top four seeds in every bracket, right? And then inevitably, what will happen is when it's time for the actual announcement, somebody won't be where they're supposed to be. Because that's just how things work out, right? So I said to myself, what if we had a top eight? A top eight HBCU women and men's invitational tournament. Because the the reality is only two schools. Well, in the case of the women. Maybe three. Depends on what North Carolina A&T does. But two, maybe three will get a chance to play past the conference tournament. True. Right? So True. <coughs> what would it look like a postseason invitational? I mean, nowadays they've set it so that the NIT is really looking to like the last couple of years all corner state has gone to the NIT, right? Yes. Yeah. This year, don't 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 count on that to happen <laughs> if Alcorn State is the runner up again in the swag tournament. It's by contract, isn't it? Well, not anymore.
2: They changed it. They well, changed. changed the rules, Tona.
3: Changed the rules. Who wants the rule now? Oh well now it's open to
2: <laughs> anybody.
3: To anybody they want to invite.
2: They don't have to take the regular season champion anymore if the regular season champion does not win the conference tournament.
1: Right.
3: So, so that's what led me to say, well, to screw y'all. Screw y'all. We just need to go ahead and have our own invite, our own invitational
1: postseason tournament. Brian, it would, here's the thing that – and I just – I don't know how the sponsorship piece works. I don't know how any of this works. But based upon our product – And let's just be very, very clear. Based on the performance of Swag basketball in the tournament, it sounds good when you go. But when you show up, it used to be some molly hopping going on. I think we could produce a really strong product if you did have a HBCU Invitational because there's something that Brian and AD know about some teams out there to where if you did an Elite Eight or a, a field of 16, I don't think you can get too big. Because you want the product to be really good. Right. But I just think that you could have a really good time with the right location, State Farm Arena in Atlanta, George. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giving a shameless plug because, hey, we love the hey, give me an excuse to get down there. I'm on the plane.
3: (laughs) Of course. Of course. Everything everything focuses back to Atlanta, right? Um, Yeah. So, okay. So let's just say we're going to have this fictional tournament in Atlanta. Okay, um, and, and look, save save all the howls and all the logistics. So we'll save that for now. Let's just concentrate on
2: oh yeah, the eight seeds.
3: Yeah, let's just concentrate on the eight seed now. And I'm also saying I don't know whether I don't know if you can double dip. So, for example, if you go into the NCAA tournament,
2: you cannot. You only one postseason tournament.
3: Okay, mm. so. So, this is why you got to have some bubble teams, okay? So, here would be I'm gonna just do the women. I'm gonna start with the women because I even I even uh, went can, so
2: far can can I can I make a comment before you get into it just quickly on what Edwin just, uh, brought oh, up, no, and I know Calvin no, no. has to get ready to go. Uh, after the championship game by by rule, Kelvin, all uh, excuse me by rule Edwin all postseason tournaments must be concluded before the start of the NCAA Final Four.
1: Right.
3: And and I disagree that it won't be well attended. Why don't you think it'll be well attended? Because here, here think about this. The same week of the Sweet 16, right, is the same weekend that you could have this 18 Invitational. You could realistically have this running Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it doesn't have to take away from the excitement of the opening round, or I guess what's called the second, the second and third round of the NCAA tournament. Right? It, it doesn't have to take away. So all you're taking away is the Sweet 16 games.
2: So, which we, which all of our teams will be doing anyway. Exactly.
3: All of our HBCUs are out of it anyway. Usually, historically, I don't think they ever, away, ever. Okay, that's why I said historically. Okay. So <clears throat> here's plus
2: that plus that allows uh, time to travel also.
3: Right. Gives you time to travel. A lot of people might be on spring break. So you you might have kids or anybody that wants to get to Atlanta, okay? Okay, so here we go. The NCAA HBCU Women's Basketball Top 8 Invitational Tournament. Your number one seed would by far and away have to be Jackson State, okay? (coughs) Here's what gets interesting. The number two and three seed, the two and three seed,
2: A and T would be it is would probably be in that mix.
3: The two and three seed are both in play to win their tournaments. Respective, the two seed right now by a thin margin is Norfolk State. Okay, okay, Norfolk State has a record of seventeen and five. 7-1 Seven and one in conference play, they have a higher net rating than North Carolina AT, who would be number three.
2: And you said net. That is what these numbers are based on, Brian.
3: This this is division one, I can base it on net rating. Because there okay. is a metric for the NCAA. Now, at least that's how I'm seeding it. Now, again, when you get to the bubble, this is where the conversations will get interesting. Okay, follow me here. I'm also not counting. Also, I, I'm doing what the NCAA does. We're not counting wins against non Division I teams. Okay, very important to remember that because a team like Jackson State, in the eyes of the NCAA, is 14 and 6, not 17 and 6, because they have three wins against non D1 teams.
2: So we're not
1: gonna
2: count. Once again, these, these numbers are based on net rating on how and how Brian is seeding these teams.
3: This is what Dr. Charles McClellan and his basketball committee are going to be using to rank and seed teams. Or at least, okay, at least what they're that's the that's one of the metrics that they use. Number four. Another swag school, Arkansas Pine Bluff, 12 and 11, 9 and 3 in conference. They're currently a uh, uh, net rating of 165 right now. Okay. So that's the top four seeds. Okay. All of them have a net rating. Higher than 175, which is pretty good. That means they're in the top half of all NCAA. Well, almost, yeah, no, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah it's like 350 yeah. something. Like that. Yeah,
3: that's about the top half of the all NCAA Division I teams. So that's pretty good. Now, let's get to the number five seed in ba- in women's basketball, Southern University. So, Sub- and this is where you start getting into where you can maybe play with numbers here, Southern University has a net rating of 214. They are 9 and 3, 13, excuse me, 9 and 13 overall, 8 and 4 in conference play. Behind them is Grambling State. Grambling State has a net rating of 217. But Grambling has a 12 and 8 record. They're actually 9 and 3. So, would you seed Grambling Above Southern?
2: Give me those uh, numbers again. Give me the net and then give me the records.
3: Southern's net is 214. Grambling is 217. Okay. Separated by one game in conference play, Grambling has the better conference play, and they have a better overall record.
2: I would go with the team with the – I would rank the team with the better conference record if they're coming from that same conference ahead.
3: Okay, so you would put Grambling as the five and Southern as the six instead of vice versa,
2: right? All right, uh, I love especially that especially if uh, and I don't know this off the top of my head, whoever wins that se- season series. Right, and that's and, coming up. And postseason tournament would factor into that. Who won the first? Should team? they? Should they? Should they be in the in the postseason in the swag tournament?
3: I didn't look this up. Did Grambling? I, I'm going to assume Grambling beat Southern the first time they played. Just a hunch. Yeah. Okay, and the
2: boy says off. it would work itself out because they still have to play each other. Right, Um
3: uh, number seven seed in the women's. Bracket. Howard, net rating of two thirty-four, eight and fourteen overall, five and three in conference play. Um uh, they're actually Howard is actually in third. Uh, number eight. This is where it gets interesting. Bethune Cookman comes in at number eight. They are a net rating of 240, 11 and 11 record, five and seven in conference play.
2: First one out would be.
3: First one out. Ooh, this is controversial. I think. Well, I'm gonna say the first three out. Okay. Maryland Eastern Shore. Now, that wouldn't seem like much because their record right now is 8 and 12, 3 and 4 in conference. But they have a net rating of 241. What might surprise you is North Carolina Central. They are 9 and 11 with a 6 and 2 conference record. They are actually tied for second in the MEAC, but they have a net rating of 314.
2: That means a non-conference is garbage as far as net goes.
3: Right. And then also you might kind of be curious, Coppin State's women. They are they have a six and two conference record, a net rating of two sixty one. Right? Right. So that's what the top eight would look like. Jackson, Norfolk, A T and t UAPB, Southern, Grambling, Howard, Bethune. And so, you know, obviously what you would have to do is factor in also is let's just say if a team like North Carolina Central were to somehow win the MiAC, you know, that would – that would bump them into the tournament. You know, what if somebody outside of the top five from the SWAC, you know, falls apart? Fam, Fam you, uh... right? Because again, Bethune Cookman, who is the eight seed, they're actually in a tie for sixth in the SWAC right now. They're tied. Like three teams in the SWAC are tied at 6, 7, and 8. Bethune is one of them. Right? Yes. All right. Let's go over to the men. Division 1 side. Your number one seed. Your number one and two seeds. Southern University. The only team with a net rating higher than 200. <laughs> yeah uh 13 and nine overall 10 and two in conference play. Norfolk State comes in at number two, 12 and nine overall six and two 222 net rating. three and four are from the MiAC North Carolina Central nine and ten, five and three in conference play. They have a net rating of 260 and Howard University. 9 and 14 with a 5 and 3 conference record and 270 net. So, again, your top four consist of Southern, Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, and Howard. It'll be interesting to see how that breaks out. Now, what gets interesting and murky is the second half where Tennessee State comes in <clears throat> Tennessee State comes in with an 11 and 12 record 8 and 6 in conference play a 274 net rating uh yeah I I'm sorry Edwin I didn't get the visuals I will work on the visuals for next show I promise <laughs> I was, you know what threw me off is I got caught up watching the SWAC indoor track championships. And it took my State. it took my yeah, it took my attention away from filling out the graphics. Sorry. Um Jackson State comes in at number six. Eleven and fourteen overall, seven and five in conference. Net rating two eighty. This is where it gets controversial, even more so. These are these bubble teams. Texas Southern comes in at seven. They have a two eighty eight net rating. Eight and fourteen conference record, seven and five. Or excuse me, eight and fourteen overall, seven and five in conference. Allcorn <laughs> comes in at eight. Wow. Yeah, they have a net rating of 301. They are 7-17 overall, 7-5 in conference play. There are four SWAC schools with On a 7-5 conference record. But guess who I left off that top eight, Drew? The team that is in second place in the SWAC.
2: I was going to say, I had heard Grambling. You
3: didn't. Why? Because Grambling is nine and thirteen overall, nine and three in conference play, and has a three ten net rating.
2: So oh and ten out of conference. Correct. If I do the math correctly.
3: You're doing your math is correct.
2: Okay. My math is mathing today. And
3: then how about Bethune Cookman? The other seven and five third place team. They have a ten and thirteen record. So they have a better overall record than Grambling, but their net rating is lower, a 316 net rating.
2: So that means a lot of quad fours up in that record.
3: Oh, a ton of. Well, if Grambling's only nine wins are against slack teams, that's all quad fours. <laughs> that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> what I was talking about, when, you, when you've when you only been playing and beating quad fours, that's what I was talking about. Right? Right. That's that happens. You know? Uh, so, again, the top eight, Southern, Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, Howard, Tennessee State, Jackson State, Texas Southern, Alcorn State. With Grambling and Bethune being the first two out. Now, if I'm going to go one step further, Drew, because you asked me to do this. I looked at it from a D2 NAIA level, which I think would be the most interesting tournament ever. Because right now, you have a tournament your top eight seeds would be Langston. This man. Men. This is only men. I didn't do women's. Okay. Langston would be your number one overall. Wild guess here. How about Lincoln, Missouri is your two seed?
2: That's a shot. I-, I can see them in. I-, I didn't see them in as a two. Well. I'm just,
3: you know, the, the their rating number comes in higher. <clears throat> their rating actually comes in not far from Langston.
2: And but what's Lincoln's record? Fourteen and eleven. But they do play in a tough uh, MIAA conference. That's what it is.
1: Yeah.
3: So coming in at three. And probably in large part to the win on Saturday, Winston-Salem State. Followed by Benedict at four. Clark Atlanta comes in at five. In large part to their big win on Saturday. Claflin comes in at six. 16-9 Claflin. Fayetteville State comes in at 7, 15 and 11, CIAA.
2: Hold up! before you get to the last one. It, uh, I'm going to guess it's, it's, a, it's a school with their dishes, MC. But one MC who's having a good year is going to be left out, no matter which one you say. Am I right? You're wrong. Oh. So That's neither right. one of the MCs are in that.
3: Not in the top eight. That would be Lincoln PA sitting in at.
2: So neither Miles nor Morehouse.
3: On the bubble. Neither, hold on, neither Miles, Morehouse. I'm giving you teams that are either at 20 or sitting on the verge of 20. Miles, Morehouse, Talladega, Tougaloo, Xavier Stillman. All on the bubble.
2: A D two in a I A turnover would be much more intriguing, even though it doesn't have the cachet names than a D one.
3: But yeah, because you're what you've got is you potentially. I mean, you have Clark, who has twenty two wins so far. Uh, Talladega is one win away. Tugaloo already has 20 21 wins. Miles is two games away. Uh Xavier is one win away. So you got multiple 20 win teams on the verge. So the question, well, so and so the question again
2: And these are based on ratings, and when this has nothing to do with us. These are just based on ratings. Well, And and, this is not the BCSN rating.
3: No, it's not. This is just I'm looking at one particular metric on how all these teams are ranked. And that's how I'm basing a top eight as the starting point. Now, at that point, you start having those discussions like they do in those committee meetings, right? You say, well, like you said, you got Miles and Morehouse. You got Talladega. Xavier, Stillman, Tougaloo.
2: I want to work on the Division I committee, Brian. <laughs> that D2 NAIA committee is a beast. Yeah.
3: That's going to spark a lot of controversy. So,
2: And you, next week, and you know what's sad about this, Brian? What's that? Even with what you you just did, and we realize how many quality teams we have at both those levels, in about three weeks, we are going to be disappointed because what what just happened, what I said, Miles and Warhouse is going to happen to some teams who legitimately should be in their classifications tournament, be it the NCAA D2 or the NAIA. Some, Some of our HBCUs are going to get left out.
1: Right. Um, EA
3: had asked the question if we could address why the playing game is so important for HBCU teams to be in. Um, Do you you want to touch on that for a quick second?
2: Yeah, because the first round game, the first four game, as it's called, is an extension of the first round, which means should you win that first four game, you get the same share that you would as if you had played in the first round, which which we would be a 16 seed anyway. But the fact that you play two first round games, the first four, and then that's the round of the 16 game. You actually wind up getting two shares of the, of that round's pot of money. Instead, if you're a straight sixteen c you only get one share. That's why, from a financial point, it's better for us to be. I hate to say it, it's better for us to be that in that first four game and win that first four game. You have to win it, win it for it to become it. financially beneficial.
3: Right because otherwise then you're just let off to slaughter to go play a number 1 seed, you know. Which play. is
2: going to happen in next which is going to happen 2 days later anyway.
3: Right, but at least you get a win. But at
2: least you get a share, an extra share.
3: Right. Exactly. So
2: you know, but the same thing happens to those number 11 teams also uh when they've had those 11 seeds playing the uh in the first four, they get the extra share also.
3: Now, the interesting case study this year will be in the women's side, Jackson State. Jackson State, if they continue playing at the high level that they're playing at, are currently in the top 100 net. Even though they're in a conference that's rated poorly.
2: Well, that didn't hurt them last, uh, what was it, uh, three years ago with a Bishop Williams holiday, they wound up being a 14 seed. Yeah, they had right. they were the outlier while the rest of the conference had a low net rating, but Jackson State had a top one hundred rating that year, and it got to they, uh, to a they, fourteen did Jackson,
3: didn't Jackson State feel like they should have been a higher seed than fourteen, or was it the location that they were bothered by? i,
2: I think I think it was the location eh,
3: but I mean, I thought
2: were, that was last I thought that was last year with the location
3: uh, no, last year they ended up. Two years ago is when they played Mulkey and L S U. Last
2: yes.
3: year they went to and Memphis. LSU. Yes. They went to Memphis last year. But that yes. was also But United I think
2: the fourteen the fourteen was about where they were expected to be at that particular year.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the highest you're gonna I, I think Yeah, the the highest you're gonna get unless you unless you've beaten some of those teams in a non conference that you were hyped up to beat. You're not going to get higher than a 14.
2: Right. Four the best, I think the best we could ever get is going to be a 12. And that's going to be wishful thinking. Yeah, but, you know. Or, or maybe, maybe one day we go from the, here's our goal, Brian, to go from the first four on the 16 line to the first four on the 11 line. That should be our goal.
3: Ah, there you go. Now they now see Drew, you just said something right there now. See, that's an advantage that I don't think will ever happen. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think you ever get 211. You'll you'll get you'll never get two opportunities at a at a good payday. Because that means you're yeah, that that's not going to happen. Cuz those 11 spots were made for the power sixes,
2: the power five. power five at larges. Yeah. That's what yes. they
3: made those for.
2: Right. The but that thing, would be the ultimate goal.
3: Yeah. We're, we're still waiting on an HBCU run similar to Gonzaga. The Gonzaga model of coming out of a lowly, lowly rated conference, but playing at such a high level, it started with resources, obviously. But you recruited well. You know, I feel like Jackson State could do that. Right? I feel like Jackson State's women, if they got the right kind of investment, she could do that. I think Reed could do it. Hell, I, I think Bridget Gordon, that fam you could do it if you gave her the right resources. And she got a and she got a name. She got a bigger name than Tamika Reed. Just saying,
1: just and a saying. big I arena. Want,
3: I don't want to be a hater, but I'm just saying. So, with that said, let me just pick let's up this film and here. get out of here exactly before somebody accuses us of being something that we aren't. Um, thank you guys for hanging in there tonight, Drew. I appreciate you for jumping in, appreciate uh, Kelvin uh, for coming in when he did. And uh, I'm gonna go back and clip this uh interview with Coach Chris Wright. If you missed the interview with Coach Chris Wright, uh first first hour of the show, what a great honest and real conversation we had with Coach Wright, or I had with Coach Wright. Um and, and hopefully you got a chance to uh to to listen to it. And yeah. Go ahead, Drew. You wanted to get something no, I'm there.
2: No, I'm still there. I I I, I keep going off camera because because uh, my nose decides it wants to be a waterfall, so I keep oh, going I off you.
3: camera. I'm I'm ready to blow. I'm ready to blow my brains out here, not literally, <laughs> but my nose, my nose uh,
2: yeah. out here. I'm sorry. So, yeah. but um, no, last thing I want to say before we uh, get out of here is, uh, hey, let's uh, Black History Month. Uh, em- let's embrace it. We are a part of black History. continue to live it, and let's continue to make it every day
3: well said well said uh i'm gonna hey, I'm gonna give you a Netflix recommendation. go watch the series on Netflix called House of ninjas, and no, I'm not talking about a show about us.
2: <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> hey go watch the we are the world documentary i forgot what it's called oh, that,
3: that was pretty good that was really good that, that good. i really yeah. man i had such a good time remember I, I i couldn't stop singing we are the world for like the next day all day <laughs> i was thinking we are the world i i just couldn't get that song out my head for like a whole day but that was a that was yeah. a good documentary man yeah. Great documentary. Good good <laughs> suggestions. So there you go. There's a Netflix recommendation from Drew and myself. We'll try to do one every week and see how that goes. But uh, uh, appreciate you guys for coming in. Appreciate you guys for sticking in the chat room. Hit the thumbs up. Hit the like button wherever you're watching. Uh, subscribe. Make sure you're following the Black College Sports Network at my BCSN one the number one, and go download the BCSN pod zone wherever you listen and download podcasts. Share the show with a friend. That's all we ask of you. If you don't donate, just share the show. Please share the show. All right, that's going to do it for all of our guests. Thank you guys for watching. I'm Brian. That's AD. It's time to pick up and get out of here. We're gone. Peace out.
2: Travel light, everybody. We'll hearts.